You're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Play ball! Worldwide Sports Radio presents Moffitt on the Mic. Allow me to introduce myself. With Craig Moffitt. How you doing, everybody? It is good to be back on a Wednesday night. A very cold and crappy Wednesday night, yeah, to be this brutally was honest. Yeah, a, a really gross Wednesday. But we are good. To, we are glad to be here. You are listening to the Moffat on the Mic radio show on a Wednesday night only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And the number to call, as always, is 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. You can follow the show on Instagram at Moff on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic. And our Facebook page as well. I am Craig Moffitt, and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Chris Clem. I'm exhausted today, Craig. I am very, very tired today. It was just a really crazy day at school, dude. I'm all, I'm all over the place. I forgot. I totally forgot. I took my hat off. Bro, I, I, today it was just, I was one thing after another. And what I mean, like, I literally didn't have a break to myself. I really didn't. I went from I had to was doing projects in class, then I had to go interview coaches. Then I had to go take pictures for the newspaper. Then I had to go work on more projects. I had to work on newspaper stories. Then I had to go work on other crap. Then I had to go read the news. Then I had to go work on homework, and now I'm here. It was a crazy day for me. So you didn't have time to, for the pub crawl today? No, not today. Oh, <laughs> it's very disappointing. So, But that's all right. At least you're here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I'm here on Wednesday. And I've been it is here eight. on a Wednesday in a while. And you know it's a packed house because we couldn't get a parking spot close to the door yeah, today. Because we, car, we parked deep today. Yeah, I don't know. I may need flashlights to get to the car tonight. <laughs> I don't know if the I don't know if the lights in front of the building go that far. So we got a lot to do, not a lot of time to do it. Again, the number to call six three one six seven six two nine six eight. We're going to get into the uh, proposed MLB rule changes in the second hour. There's a lot of them. There's actually a lot of good ones in my opinion. We're going to get into some other random stories. Antonio Brown is not in trouble yet, but it looks bad either way. A few trades went down today in the NBA trade deadline. And we have a guest at 1030, Jake Asman from the former Asman and Budic show right here when it was Sports on the Go 1, now on the Power Hour with Jake Asman on SB Nation Radio in Houston. is going to join us at 1030. We're going to talk some Knicks. We're going to talk some New York sports. And we'll get into some Houston's uh, Rocket stuff and maybe maybe some ideas of where he thinks the Texans are headed free agency-wise. I'm kind of curious to know, know that as well. So he's going to be joining us at 10:30, and we really appreciate Jake coming on the show. Kind of makes uh, kind of makes perfect sense with the the relaunch and everything, and yeah. having an alumni yeah, from sports on the go. Especially one, especially a big of alumni as Jake Asman was. I mean, look, I never, I didn't get to meet Jake Asman when he was here, but I suggested the idea that you know we have him on. With Dude, the did new, you really with the new just re- slip that in? Yes. <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> I'm doing this good lately. I did it with statement games on Monday, and now I'm doing it today. I did it today too. You tried to sneak it by the goalie, though. You know that's what I'm talking. You know, okay, so no, but I, I figured it would be a good idea. You know, he was such a big part of the network. He had a, a huge show here when it was Sports on the Go One. I feel like it was only right to have him back on when now that it's rebranding and we're we are moving forward with Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hey, you know, uh, Clem, I give you I give you the credit. I didn't know why you wanted his number at first, but now. I- <laughs> <laughs> but but all due respect, we are definitely pretty psyched to have Jake on again. So he's going to join us at around 1030. And uh, we got a lot of other stories to do. A lot of weird trades went down today, in my opinion, with the NBA. I know tomorrow is the deadline. I don't really know of any other big-time deals. It looks like the Nets are going to be fairly quiet. I don't see them really making too many moves. Uh, the Knicks could be buying out Enos Cantor now, Saw apparently. Jeez. 
They really you couldn't have botched that any anymore. But then again, it's the Knicks, so why am I not surprised? I mean, I don't understand how he's not playing. But I understand. Maybe Okay, let me rephrase that. I do understand because you don't want him to get hurt. And if you're trying to trade him tomorrow, it makes perfect sense not to play him. But I just feel like Fizdale has a weird axe to grind with this guy, and I don't understand what it is, especially a guy who likes being here. Yeah, he liked everything about being here. I think he liked the spotlight of being in New York. And they misused him, mistreated him so poorly. The Knicks, David Fisdale did. It was just, it was just so bad. And I because when I, when the Knicks got Ennis Cantor, Doug McDermott, and all those guys from the Thunder, I was like, okay, you can salvage this trade. Ennis Cantor is a decent center to have, and especially when you need a center who isn't Joe Kim Noah. Mm-hmm. This was solid. He'll get you 14 points and 10 boards a game, which is amazing. That's what you want from your big man. Yeah. But they they treated him so badly, I think, and I I wouldn't be surprised if they do buy him out. I mean, but, like, why buy him out, though? I don't know if that makes any sense. Just, you know, try to trade him. But the thing is, teams know how much you you don't really want him there, so they're not going to really give you anything for him. But still, I mean, why just just put him out of his misery? I mean, I, feel, I really do feel bad for the guy because he really does like being here. And I also like the fact that he dates Dana Brooke. Yes. And that's a huge plus for me when you date a WWE superstar. Especially Dana Brooke. Yeah. So, I mean, more power <laughs> to the guy. By the way, speaking of WWE, so I've been getting emails all freaking day for pre-sales for WrestleMania Access. Mm-hmm. And, like, they do the, you know, the premium VIP. Uh, did you see the list for the premium VIPs? No, who is it? Ronda's on it. Oh, great. So oh, I spent $200. They'll be working Ronda? overtime for the next two months, man, to make oh, that money. Oh, my gosh. Ronda's on it. Becky Lynch is on it. Uh, Charlotte, I think, is on it. Oh, so I'm, there's no way. I I'll can't. tell you what. While we're talking, maybe I'll, I'll pull it up and I'll see if I can find the schedule. They didn't do the general mission schedule yet. So I have glimmer of hope to beat the Riot Squad. <laughs> okay. But, but um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, that's out of my... Out of my financial zone. Look, if anyone listening, you want to donate to the Chris Klim Foundation for people who need money, meaning me, you're more than welcome to send me money for just for the fun of it. Dude, I mean, come on. <laughs> I gotta get the humble plug. Yeah, I need. Yeah, money. you want you want to get you like you know you want people to send you you know maybe you need to take your ass to like Oprah Winfrey or something or go to like one of those like like shows where they like they do dreams can come true. Oh, right where they and you just have to write like a really really depressing letter <laughs> that just talks about how like hard it is for you to be at CW Post and you know you're a broadcasting student you host three shows a day and you gotta like lay it on thick, man. Nothing. Uh, it, I Nothing. Got, I, I mean, really? Sorry, I'm trying I, to help you. Sorry, I was reading Speedy's comment. He thought one of my jokes was funny, so I was like, "Okay, I'm reading that." No. Uh, well, at least he wasn't like negative, like you know, he was always like, "No, nope, that's not right." <laughs> so, okay, so here's the schedule for premium VIP, which means it's like a, a mortgage payment, basically. Okay. Thursday, April fourth, you can meet Charlotte Flair at eight o'clock. Here's where I don't think you'll be doing a show with me. Friday, April fifth, Ronda Rousey at six. So you can yes, Clem, you can have the day off on Friday, April fifth. Actually, you know. Well, I mean, if that's if look, I mean, I might not even get to see Ronda if that's the case because I might be getting NXT tickets. Oh, no, look at you! NXT is that Friday, so. Uh oh, Ronda's in Ronda. I mean, if you're listening, Clem's not waiting for you. He's not a one woman man anymore. He's all about now. He's got Paige Van Zant on the radar. <laughs> so, Saturday, April sixth, you have Seth Rollins at eight. And you have Becky Lynch at 10 a.m. Wow, Seth Rollins gets 8 a.m.? That's got to suck. 
Yeah, that's got to be bad. The main eventer gets an 8 a.m. slot to meet people. Do you think he's really going to be on his A game to meet those people at 8 o'clock in the morning? No. Monday, April 8th will be AJ Styles at noon. That's the premium VIP. We got the, like, the regular Now the VIP. regular VIP. Okay. Thursday, you have the new day at 6 o'clock. They're regular VIP? I figured they'd be premium. Man. I figured they'd be general admission. But <laughs> Friday, April 5th, you have Sasha Banks and Bailey at 1, which sucks because I love Sasha Banks. And The Miz and Maurice at 3. I see Sasha and Bailey. I would see Sasha and Bailey, but I know I'm going to have to work that day, so there's no way I'm going to make it. Saturday, April 6th, you have Daniel Bryan at 1. Mm-hmm. Braun Strowman at 3. Yeah. Asuka at 6. And Ciampa and Shayna Baszler at 8. Okay, I can get with Ch- I can get with uh, Champa, and then Sunday, April seventh, you have Dean Ambrose at eight. Well, he's not going to be in the company for much longer, but <laughs> that's his that's his last time he's going to be. That's his last. And there was no general mission. They haven't announced they, announced they haven't announced the general mission schedule yet, so I'm just waiting on the ride squad. So I don't mean to sound like you when you know Ronda when Ronda's on TV, but <laughs> I mean I like the ride squad. So there you go. All right, so. We got Jake coming on in about 20 minutes, but right now let's do our four local. We'll do the four local topics of, uh, of the day, and we will start with the New York Yankees, who uh, apparently Nolan Arenado and the Rockies are on the verge of an extension, mm-hmm. which means that you know this was a, a lot of people thought this was a player that the Yankees, this is why the Yankees weren't going after Manny Machado, mm-hmm. was because they really, really wanted Nolan Arenado instead, because he's a yeah. free agent after this upcoming season. He just got $26 million in an arbitration hearing. So now the question all of a sudden becomes: Are you are the Yankees turning back to try to get Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? In your opinion, I say no. I, I think, think so. Cashman is going to pretty much stick to his guns and just go with what he knows. But then Aaron Judge came out. I don't know if you saw this over the weekend. Aaron Judge came out and said he would consider moving to center field if the, if it meant the Yankees getting Bryce Harper. Get out of here. Aaron Boone turned around and said, oh, that's just him being judge. Kind of like, you know, that's like. Like he's being. He's like being, insert like, you know, the same person in the same, you know, as everyone says, oh, it's like, you know, speedy being speedy. Yeah. It's like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, first of all, judge cannot play center field. I don't care what anyone says. Judge cannot play center field. Second of all, you, he's just saying that just to be a nice guy. Like, yeah, Bryce, you can play right field if you want to. You can play left field. You can DH. You can do whatever you want. You're Bryce Harper. He's just saying that to be the. He's just saying that to be a nice guy. Well, look, Aaron Judge is going to be the kind of guy that basically tells you he's not going to say I don't want Bryce Harper here. He's not going to say I don't want Manny Machado here. He, of course, he's going to want those guys there. He's going to want both of them there because he wants to win a World Series. Mm-hmm. And he knows his chances of getting winning a World Series are ten times better if Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are in your lineup. That being said, though, we've said this a million times on this show: the Yankees don't need either. They don't need Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. They especially don't need Bryce Harper, because then what the hell is the point of you having Clint Frazier on the team? Yeah, Clint Frazier, Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton. Brett Gardner, Aaron Hicks, Jacoby Ellsbury. You have six. Exactly. So what's the point of having, you know, why would you give Bryce Harper that kind of money when you've been touting Clint Frazier forever? Yeah, I know. And he's recovered from the concussions, you know, thank God, because that's always a scary thing because that kid's career could have ended at a young age. He's recovered. He's, he's looks, he seems healthy. 
And you'll have an entire spring training to see what he can do. So why are you going to waste your time going after Bryce Harper? It doesn't make any sense. There's no need. I've said this in November. I said it in December. I'm saying it now. Yankees do not need Bryce Harper. There's no need for Bryce Harper, and there's no need for Manny Machado. If you want to give the the Miguel- don't tell the Yankee fans that though. No, those majority don't- of the Yankee fans want him because they just want to corner the market on all star hitters making over two hundred million dollars. Look, I get the attraction of Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. I get it, but look, if you want to save you money this year, then see, give Andujar another year or so, see what his fielding turns into, and if it's not any better, it's still crappy. Move him over the first base and then sign Arenado. Then I could see that happening. Next yeah, but they year. may not. They're probably not going to get Arenado. You don't think so? I think the Rockies. Listen, I don't think the Rockies would come out and say, "Oh yeah, it's pretty close to being a done deal." If they didn't have a done, almost a done deal with with Nolan Arenado, why would you broadcast that and make it sound like it's bigger than what it is? True. Unless Nolan Arenado pulls like an Anthony Davis and says, "Oh, I don't want to resign with you," but that doesn't seem like what he's trying to do. I think he does want to play in Colorado. I think Nolan Arenado will play wherever he goes. I don't think it would matter where. But if he just got $26 million for this year alone for arbitration, it, when I saw that announcement, it kind of made me believe that they were working on something. It was a little weird that like you would just give him $26 million for this one year, even though he's a phenomenal player. So, of mm-hmm. course, he deserves it. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. But when I see deals like that, like it's almost like the equivalent of when a guy signs a franchise tag yeah. and the deal is like over $20 million. You're probably trying to work on a long-term extension because you wouldn't franchise the guy if you didn't want him. You wouldn't. The Rockies wouldn't have paid Nolan Arenado $26 million this year if they didn't want him and then risk losing him as a free agent after the season. So it just made sense that eventually a deal was going to wind up getting done with Nolan Arenado. Now, it's not done yet. So listen, the Yankees have plenty of time to try to make a move. If it feel, you, know, you could wait it out to see if it goes dead, and then the Yankees can try to swoop in with whatever prospects they have left. The thing is, they don't have a lot of prospects left, though. They don't. No, they have. They have the 19th-ranked farm system in Major League Baseball right now because they've traded away a lot of guys, and a lot of the guys are already up on the team, guys like Gleiber, Andujar, you know, but they don't need to have a good farm system right now because all their guys are young and under team control that are on the major league roster, with the exception of guys like Stanton, Tanaka, just to name a few. Yeah, and look, they still got they still got Floreal in the free in the minor leagues, which is still good. He's a couple of years away, and again, that's another outfielder that you have. <clears throat> so you really don't even need you again back to back but to the Bryce Harper statement. You don't need Bryce Harper. But isn't it amazing though how like. Nobody like there's still no movement on a Bryce Harper contract. There is no movement on a Manny Machado contract. I think everyone, you know what? Maybe everyone's just playing chicken at this point. They gotta be playing, you know, like who's gonna budge first? Like, is like it Manny Machado? Manny Machado may have to take a one year deal. Yeah, you like might. a heavily, you know, heavy, uh, you know, for the year, like kind of like what Josh Donaldson got. But if Josh Donaldson got got twenty three million for one year, then Manny Machado is gonna want like thirty million for this year. Yeah. Now, is he, in that sense, I would give Manny Machado $30 million for this year if he wanted to come to, the, to whatever team. It's just the years that are becoming more of a question mark. Yeah, that, you can say the same thing about guys like Kimbrell, Keiko, Moustakis, 
Iglesias. Big guys. Like the, all those guys are still out there, man. Exactly. Isn't that crazy? It's not like last year, you know, where you saw it was, you know, Alex Cobb, who was a big name on the free agent. You saw it was Moustakis last year, Hosmer, all these guys signed. That's only a couple of guys. Mm-hmm. This year, you have tons of names who have not signed yet. Big names, too. Keiko, former Cy Young winner. Machado, elite player. Bryce Harper, former MVP. Iglesias, elite, a great shortstop. Kimbrell, great closer. It's all these guys. It's not just one or two. It's a bunch of guys. And the thing is, it's going to be a mad dash to get these guys signed because, again, your next week is pitchers and catchers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was pretty awesome today. Yesterday I was watching like sports like uh, SMY, yeah. and they showed all the Mets uh, trucks heading out to Port St. Lucie from City Field with all the equipment and everything. I, I was like, see, that's how you get so excited for it, you know? But this is pretty alarming like that. I mean, like I said, we talked about it on Monday. But this is pretty pretty alarming now that these two guys, and they're still really young too, are still not signed. Mm-hmm. And you can't sit there and tell me that, well, Dallas Keuchel's waiting for Harper and Machado to sign. It's two different positions. Yeah, two different positions, and they're two completely different players. And, they're, and their ages are different too. It's not like Keuchel's a young kid. He's 30, 32, 31, somewhere in that age, age range. And that was, that's what made me – that's why I was a little surprised that A.J. Pollock signed. Mm-hmm. Like, because I figured if anybody was going to wait for Harper and Machado to sign, it was AJ Pollock, right? You know, but he wound up signing a deal. I think he got like a three or four year deal with the Dodgers. But again, the Yankees are pretty stacked right now with where they are. I think their team is very strong this year. They are, barring injuries, of course. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you know, Stanton will be in his second year in New York. Judge, you'll have a full season of Judge. Part of me even thinks that when Judge broke his wrist. That was pretty much the nail in the coffin for the Yankees winning the division. Mm-hmm. Because I think if Judge would have played the entire season, I think the Red Sox would not have went, ran away with that division. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. You know, So I think Stan would have been a huge X factor. Uh, not Stan, no. Judge would have been a huge X factor for the Yankees. So that was kind of a tough blow for them when they lost him for pretty much the rest of that the rest of the season. But he was able to come back towards the very end to uh, the postseason. You know, the signings of LeMahieu to Lewitsky. Solid signings. Yeah, solid then you solid. have you have Gliber, you have Andujar, Sanchez. I mean, it's a good team, but Yankee fans are not going to be satisfied until they go out and get Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, because that's how Yankee the Yankees have done it in the past, and this is like the first year you're not seeing them do it, mm-hmm. and Yankee fans are panicking. Yeah, you know, you won 107 games last year with this roster, 107 games, and you're still mad that. That they're still out there in the Yankees. Because, like, you know why? They still live in the past. And in the past, under George Steinbrenner, he didn't care what it cost. He just wanted to get those guys here. So he wouldn't care what it cost. He didn't care what it cost to spend on Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. If he wanted Manny Machado, they were getting Manny Machado. They would have it would Manny, not have mattered. They would have had Manny Machado the first day you would be able to sign free agents. Yes. You would have had Bryce Harper. Or by the, winter, by the winter meetings, he would have been signed as a Yankee by now. Yes, but it's a new era for the Yankees. And Yankees fans are not satisfied unless... You but know, I also get- think... You know what I also think that is too, though, man? I also think that's a case of they've hit on all their young players. They have. Gliber, Judge, Sanchez, Andujar. That's already four. Frazier looks really good in AAA. Could be the starting left fielder, you know, if it wasn't for the concussion issues, I think. Yeah, he could be. Okay. You're, you're absolutely right. You have five guys right now in your lineup, five out of the nine guys who you know can play. Mm-hmm. And none of those guys cost a damn thing. In other words, there is nowhere to put Manny Machado right now. 
Yeah, there's nowhere. There's nowhere to put Bryce Harper. And you haven't seen homegrown talent like this for the Yankees. Maybe since the early night, the early like late the Jeter 90s. days, the Jer- the Jeter, Posadas, the Pettits, Rivera, the, the Rivera's, all those guys, the core four. You haven't seen homegrown talent since really then, and since then, you know the Yankees have they went out and they bought their players. You know they got the Tashera's, the Sabathias, the the David Justices, the all the, the, all these guys. But now you're seeing it again. You're seeing and you're seeing this new crop of Yankees with that came from their minor league system with Andujar, Torres. Judge, um, even you know Greg, Greg Bird when he's healthy, Sanchez, all these guys, and it's, it's something Yankee fans are not used to. But think about it also, right? Because what that has allowed them to do was it went it allowed them to go out and attack the bullpen, right? So you knew you had Chapman, you knew you had Betances, okay? That allowed you because you know your lineup is stacked for this year, mm-hmm. okay? That allowed you to go out and get bring back Zach Britton. Yes. That allowed you to go out and and get Adam Ottavino. Okay? It really, it did. Because you know your lineup is stacked, which means you don't have to make too much noise. You know, you don't have to go out and spend money on hitters because you already have hitters. So, Jeff, make it quick. Um, I understand your point about George Steinbrenner. He would have signed all of those guys. All right. Make, let, me, let me do it. Let me do it. But... <laughs> yeah, but it, but here's the but he like he operated in a vacuum like there was no salary cap then. So is it like fair to expect that that still would have happened if he was operating the team today? Yeah, I think no, I think I, it is. I think I think he would have done the same thing. I totally think he would have because it's just the guy Steinbrenner was. None of the other players on their team barely make anything. Like who else besides besides Tanaka? Besides Stanton, who they just, you know, they had to take that contract back. And Ellsbury. And Ellsbury. And maybe like Chapman. Yeah. None of the other players on the Yankees are really making a ton of money right now. Gliber is under team control till at least 2022 or 23. Judge is under team control. Stanton is, uh, not Stanton, Sanchez is under team control. Gardner came back on pretty much nothing. Hicks doesn't make a lot of money. Andujar doesn't make a lot of money. And I've already named th- three quarters of their starting lineup. Right. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I'm just, worth, uh, you know, wondering if it's worth the argument because I mean, Steinbrenner clearly operated with no salary cap penalties or anything like that, and and times are different. Times are different, but I don't think the owners change. And yeah. I think if Steinbrenner were alive today and he saw the fact that this team has not won a World Series in nine years. And he's watched the Boston Red Sox win four since 2004. There's no way he's letting that happen this year. Yeah, he would make it, even with these uh, salary cap penalties and all, all that, he would make it his mission that Manny Machado or Bryce Harper or both of them were in pinstripes in the 2019 season. He would figure out a way to make it work. Exactly. I mean, I, I personally, for me, I think the Yankees are doing the right thing because they, they will have more contracts coming up. And if they were to handcuff themselves with another $250 million contract, it would make it harder to... It, I don't know if it would be impossible, but it would be harder to re-sign all of their great young talent. No, I think the Yankees are doing the right thing as well. I think that they're the type of team that they've seen it. It doesn't work like that in the past. They've made the signings they need to make. The uh, It's kind of evolved, okay, because... Now the focus is really on the bullpen. It's about teams building these super bullpens. 
And the Yankees, that was one of their strengths last year. So what they did was, instead of bringing back Robertson, they replaced him with Ottavino to go with Zach Britton, Dellen Batances, and Aroldis Chapman. And then what they do is they turn around. They know they have Gleiber, and they know they're going to get Didi back at some point this year. So making taking a very low-risk signing on Troy Tulowitzki I thought was genius. And one of the signings that I think is one of the most underrated signings so far the, of the free agency period is when they brought in DJ LeMayhew. Yeah, I think all of those are good. I'm just, I, I just don't, I, you know, regarding the Machado Harper thing, I, I just don't think that makes sense for them. I think Machado would make more sense than Harper, but I, I can understand Cashman not going after either one. He doesn't want to spend the money. Now, if Harp, if Machado's willing to take a one-year deal for like thirty million, Machado's going to sign that contract because he wants to go to the Yankees. Everybody knows that. It's like the worst kept secret in all of baseball. No, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, but I mean, is he going to turn down five or six years somewhere else? And would the market for him be better next year? Uh, to be honest, none of the other teams he wants to go to. He Otherwise, he would have signed by now. He would have signed with the White Sox by now. He would have signed with the Phillies by now. The fact that none he has not signed a contract with either of these teams tells me he has no desire to go there. Is there an alternate explanation, though, right? Is Do you think Machado and Harper are both looking at each other to see what the other one gets so they can up their offer? Well, they're waiting till one blinks, but the problem yeah. is is that none of the other teams are really going to play this game. Like, Clem just said it perfectly. He said it's like playing a game of chicken. You're waiting for somebody to blink. No one's blinking yet. The teams are not sold on this, and it was the same thing that happened last year. So then they start rushing to sign these guys right before spring training, right before, you know, whatever, when the, the entire roster shows up. So at that point, the problem is is that you know, then you got to wait for Manny Machado to get up to game shape and all that stuff because he's, you know, he's missed the entire offseason because he's waiting around to sign a contract. He's not going to risk getting hurt because then he can't sign a contract. I mean, I just feel like Philadelphia is one of those teams that's desperate enough where if they saw the money the other one got, they would throw more money at one of those guys. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they haven't done much this offseason, so it would make sense for them to do that. They, they have no choice but to really kind of break the bank. But like I said... If Harper or Machado were going to go to Philadelphia, they would have done it by now. This is not Philadelphia is not their number one choice. I would say Philadelphia, out of all the teams, is probably their number three. I mean, let's be honest. Who in their right mind wants to go to Philadelphia? Does <laughs> that count? But again, at the same time, you just like you said, you you know about signing for big money. If at the end of the day, if that's the best you're going to get, you have no choice but to take it. The only deal that kind of came out was the White Sox deal, and. You know, Machado's camp was quick to deny that that contract was even was even um, offered. But again, if he really wanted to sign there, he would have signed there by now. I mean, if that was a real offer, do you think that our offer was any good? Seven years, a buck seventy-five. I mean, maybe for Machado, it's not a great offer, but it's over twenty million a year. Right, but when but when you're Machado and you're looking at David Price getting thirty, and you're looking at you know uh, JD Martinez is getting twenty-five a year. I agree with you. I'm not. I mean, again, it's really up to Machado what he wants to do. But right now, it's not like teams are really knocking down the door. And again, we've talked about this before on the show. When teams like the Yankees are not involved, or teams like the Dodgers are not involved, I think it really kills his momentum. I think it kills his leverage. I think it kills his negotiating power. 
because all the other teams in the league are not going to spend the kind of money that those teams are going to spend. That's what they hope for. That's what the agents hope for. That's what guys like Scott Boris hope for. They hope that the teams like the Yankees are constantly involved in their players because it's going to drive the market value up. Last question, then I'm going to leave you guys alone, is are you happy with what BBW is doing? Like, to me, it feels like he's signing a lot of underwhelming guys in New York. Nah, I disagree. I disagree 100%. I love what he's done. Okay. I love exactly what Same. he's done. Like I can't, I can't. Like, do we want anything he's done? Yeah, he's filled exactly what he was supposed to do. He said he was going to go out and fix the bullpen. He fixed the bullpen. He signed a catcher that's better than listen Wilson Ramos. Let's call it what is he? not Mike Piazza, but he's better than what we've had over the past three or four years. Yeah. So I'll take it. He's probably our best catcher since Paul Laduca was the catcher. I love the trade of Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz, and I love the and I love the signing of Jed Lowry. I think it's one of my favorite signings so far. You're not taking on Cano's contract, though. The Mariners are paying the majority of it. You're only paying like $60 million of it. Which is fine. That's not what I heard. I heard that the Mets were taking on 80% of it. No, they're not. That's that's a load of crap. It's not. Because they wouldn't have made – I don't think they would have made that deal if you couldn't – if you had to take back all that money. At the end of the day, I think they're only taking on like 70, 60, 70 million, give or take. They're not taking on 80% of that deal. All right, yeah. I mean, I just, I just thought that, that the people of the good people of Flushing would have wanted to uh, see a bigger name come through there than. And Diaz is good. Diaz is a good player. I just, you know, I thought that they wanted to make a splash. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I mean, there's so many. Listen, I agree with Bro. Listen, I can understand Met fans being a little frustrated with not getting a guy like Machado or Harper. Okay, I really do. I do understand the frustration, but you, but. You can't sit back and say that the Mets have had a terrible offseason. You can't sit back and say that the Mets haven't spent money. You can't. They have the seventh highest payroll now in Major League Baseball. And I'm not and again, you're taking on a guy you 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 get the closer you've wanted for a long time and he's under team control. You bring back Jarris Familia who played who pitched well for the most part in, you know, New York. The only thing I never really liked about him was he always seemed to like the tightrope act. You make a signing like Justin Wilson, which I thought was a great signing, you know, very under the radar signing. You bring back Cano, which I think I think Cano will be fine. And I th- at the same time, Jed Lowry, I really like a lot of the moves they've made this offseason. I really do. All right, yeah, I just wanted a Mets fan's take on it because I mean, for me, other than Diaz, I mean, Ramos is a solid guy for that position, but I just was expecting a couple of bigger moves, maybe like. Mustakas, uh, uh, you know. Eh. Like the, the, no, no, hold on a second. I'm not saying Mustakas would be a bad signing when I make that reaction. It's just that you have Todd Frazier, and you still have to pay Todd Frazier. At the same time, you also have other guys like Jeff McNeil is supposed to be kind of a he's going to be kind of like the utility guy who's going to play third base as well. Would I love to see Mustakas on the Mets? Sure. I don't think I would not have a problem with the Mets signing Mike Mustakas tomorrow. I would love it. But that to me doesn't strike. That's not like a big signing. I don't consider that like an elite signing. Like I'm a, you know, like I thought you were going to say Machado. But I mean, Mustakas. I'm not like. I'm not like. Okay, like if we don't get Mike Mustakas, my life's not going to be over. Is basically my point. Like there's clearly two guys at the top of the free agent market. But I was just saying maybe that that B tier, like the Mustakas kind of tier. You know, like I'm not saying that the Mets should break the bank for either one of those guys because I'm not sure either one of them will be worth it. 
Yeah, but they've added guys in that Mustakas tier. I don't understand how you can't how you could say that. But who else are you going to get a catcher? Grandal turned down their offer. He he. They offered Grandal four years and sixty million. He turned it down. Yeah, that's astonishing to me. See what I mean? So it's like it's not like the Mets didn't try to get Yasmani Grandal. He turned them down. So I mean, you could. Yeah, I mean, what's that? Were they ever in the JT Real Muto kind of thing? I mean, I think they were in it, but I just think they didn't want to give up what they were asking for. I mean, at one point it was Noah Syndergaard. Another point it was, you know, Ahmed Rosario and all these other guys. I mean, you're talking about literally depleting your entire farm system for a catcher. I understand he's a good catcher, but he's again, he's not Piazza. Right. You know, like I, I'm not. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm just not prepared to literally deplete what's left of my farm system just to get JT Real Muto here. I think they have, but you see, you're looking at it from a different perspective, though. I, I personally think they've done a lot. I think they've been. I think they've done ten times more under Brody Van Wagenen than they would have ever done under Sandy Alderson. Where do you think they stand in the uh, in the East? Um, right now, I think they're second place team. I think it makes sense. I don't. I don't think. Brave, I don't. Brave I don't. First. Yeah, 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 I think Braves first. I don't think the Nationals are going to be as good. Strasburg is guaranteed to be on the DL, and I don't think they've really re- they've haven't really bulked up on their hitting very much. And I think the Phillies are overrated. I don't think the Phillies have done anything significant this offseason. I think the Phillies are a good team, man. I disagree. I don't think they're going to be as good. Yeah, but I just don't think they're that good of a team. I just don't really think so. I think they have, you know, listen, they have some good players. I didn't love the McCutcheon signing for them. I think that signing was that great. Robertson right now is looking like he's your closer, unless I'm missing something. I don't know. I just don't really think the Phillies are going to be as good as advertised. I mean, for me, and this is, you know, just one idiot's opinion, mm-hmm. if there's a like a Aaron Judge Jr., it's right Reese Hoskins. Yeah, maybe, but he's one player. None of the other guys on that yeah. team really excite me. So, All right, Jeff, look, we got to go, buddy. I'll talk to you later. I hope you guys enjoyed the Super Bowl. All right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, what a shock. He comes in with a Patriots comment. <laughs> well, we have breaking news. Breaking news. You like that drop, right? Yeah. Harrison Barnes traded to the Sacramento Kings for Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph. For Justin Jackson? Yep. Didn't they just draft him? Yeah, two years ago they did. In the middle of the Mavericks game, Mark Cuban traded Harrison Barnes to the to the Sacramento Kings for Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph. What are the Sacramento Kings doing, though? It seems like they're just adding a bunch of spare parts. Are they really going for it this year? I don't think they're going for it, but I like what they're doing. You add a piece like Harrison Barnes. You know, I mean, look, he's not, maybe not the flashiest pan in the whatever, whatever the saying is. But I'm you know, surprised a lot of the trades are happening now. Yeah. Than tomorrow, I think, because tomorrow's a deadline. But I like what the Kings have going right now. You look, you have a young player in De'Aaron Fox who's amazing. He's great. Marvin Bagley's proving he's 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 healthy and he's very good. Harrison Barnes will still be under team like under contract, right? I don't think they would have just. Uh, I think so. Yeah, him. I think he'll be under contract. But I think this is a good trade. 
It's Look, a nice little young nucleus of the Mavericks are putting together. Yeah, I know. Justin Jackson, I mean, he could still develop. You have Donkic, Porzingis. Who's that? I'll let you know. Oh. Right. Donkic, Porzingis. Now you get Justin Jackson on top of that. All right, we got to be quick because we got to call Jake <laughs> in case you forgot. Mike, what's going on? What's up, man? What's uh, up, Mike? Real quick. Yep. I got, I, got a, I got a real problem with these NFL players with, like, Antonio Brown and you know, all these players hitting women. I mean, something's got to be done about this. Like, there needs to be a rule in place where if you hit a woman, like, you should get, like, an automatic 10-game ban or something like that. Well, you know, the problem with those types of situations is, is that you have to – it's a case, and it has to be investigated. It goes. To, it's no different than like a criminal investigation. No, I understand that. You know, so it's it's hard for the NFL to just sit there and say, okay, you automatically got a ten game suspension because you you allegedly hit your girlfriend. There has to be proof in that. Sometimes it could just be the wife or girlfriend being like a pain and being. I'm not saying I'm not advocating that whatsoever, but I'm saying that sometimes stories like this get blown out of proportion because you can easily argue that the woman in question knows that they're an NFL athlete. Or an NBA athlete. No, I understand that, but it's like, I mean, I, I guess you can't compare it to like TVs or something because baseball has rules in place where if you do something, you get this amount of time. Yeah. No, like, it. You, it, it come, you know, they need to come up with something where, like, if you do something, this is what you're going to get. This is the punishment. Yeah, things like that. I mean, listen, that's something they're going to have to talk about. But the problem with that kind of situation is, is that it becomes it's more of a criminal investigation at that point because you know if the guy gets arrested. You know, then it's a suspicion. That's why they always say suspicion of domestic violence or domestic abuse. They don't automatically charge the guy or accuse him in a, no, in, a okay. in a public so, court. For instance, Ezekiel Elliott, he wasn't proven nothing, and he got suspended still. Yeah. No, you it's true. I mean, it's like it's like Goodell does what he wants to do with the players. I think that Goodell is making it things like this. I think he's making it up as he goes along because quiet. This is probably the most times I've seen these incidents happen. Like the thing with Kareem Hunt, the thing with Kareem Hunt, there was a video, so he was pretty much toast. He didn't have a you know he there was nothing he could do. Same thing with Ray Rice. There was a video of him punching out his girlfriend. You know the problem I have with yeah, the NFL I mean, though too. The NFL should need, they should stop it. That's why they should put rules in place where if you do this, this is what's going to happen. Well, they may, they're may they going to probably – those types of things they definitely have to talk about because, like, you know, this is all kind of like making it up because, like I said, this is the most I've ever seen players in trouble for domestic abuse or yeah, like, spousal like, like abuse or anything like that. You know, yeah. the funny thing about a guy like Ray Rice was, and this is where I get pissed off at the NFL too, is, is that while what he did was horrible and I will never – you know, the video alone is disturbing still no, to this day. It's disturbing to watch. Disturbing. <laughs> Here's the difference, though, with Ray Rice, and this is what bothers me about the NFL – Ray Rice has actually done everything he can to repair his image. He's done everything he can to tell people that this is wrong. I was an idiot. I was stupid, and I ruined my career. And the NFL still, the NFL teams are still would never give him another chance. True. He's donated to women's uh, women's groups. He's spoken at you know for women's groups on how horrible of, of it is you know for to assault women. He's done everything he possibly can. He now talks to college college players going into the NFL to warn them yeah. of like the dangers of this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and unfortunately NFL teams just never really gave him a chance and you know his career was pretty much done. Yeah, no, but like you said, it just seems like there's more and more that's happening and you know, it, it's disgusting. And it, it, it needs to stop. It really does. No, I definitely agree. 
Mike, listen, I hate to cut you short. We're going to have a guest on in a few minutes, but... I got to call Jake. I just want to get that point across real quick. No, but I appreciate you calling in, man. Thanks a lot. You got it, man. All right. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go to break real quickly. When we come back, we'll have Jake Asman from uh, SB Nation Houston, former host of the Asman and Budic Show, right here when we were Sports on the Go One, and uh, we're gonna talk. We got a lot to talk about with Jake. Yes, we do. So we're gonna definitely get into that. So we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, Jake Asman from the Power Hour with Jake Asman on SB Nation Radio Houston will be on with us. You are listening to the Moffat on the Mic Radio Show only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We'll be back right after this. You're, 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 you're listening to Moffat on the Mic on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome. There we go. <laughs> Welcome back to the Moffat on the Mic Radio Show, only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And the number to call is always a 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. As always, you can follow the show on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and our Facebook page as well. And joining us on the phone right now is a former Sports on the Go 1 alumni. He's got a show right now on SB Nation Radio Houston, The Power Hour with Jake Hasman. Jake Hasman, Monday to Friday, 8 to 9, right, Jake? Uh, seven, 7 to 8 Eastern. Sorry about that. 7 to 8. And uh, we're just glad he's here with us on the rebranding of Sports on the Go 1 Radio to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. He is the former host of the Asman and Budic Show. We are talking with Jake Asman. Jake, what's going on, man? Yeah, thanks for having me. What's up with the new name change? The Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What happened to Sports on the Go One? <laughs> We've uh, Errol felt it was time for a change, so here we are. We have rebranded into a new network. We're actually, we're pretty psyched about it. Very cool. I like I like the new logo. It's a new era for everyone, and and uh, Ron for Errol Marks. <laughs> yeah, no, the logo is actually pretty cool. We, we think it's pretty awesome. All right, so Jake, I want to talk not only about some like Houston stuff, but I want to get your thoughts on a lot of the New York stuff going on as well. So my first question is, what were your initial re- what was your initial reaction to the Porzingis trade? Initially, I, I was just so confused because it, it just felt like it came out of nowhere. But you know, after having a couple of days to think about it and, and hear some of the comments from Porzingis, and it just it felt like KP didn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And I understand a lot of that is you know the Knicks trying to cover their their own backsides here and putting certain things out in the media. I get all that, but the way Porzingis has acted, the fact that his brother seems like he's you know just wants to just kind of like run the show for KP and KP kind of just lets him do whatever he wants to do. I, listen, I like Porzingis a lot, and when they did draft him and he played so great early on, I mean there was legitimate hope. There was there was. And, and there was, you know, the, the possibility that he could be the next great Nick, but you know, the guy has not been able to stay on the court. And the reality is, if he didn't want to be here, then the Knicks didn't have to offer him a five-year, hundred-something million dollars super max to keep this guy. So I understand the decision, but it, there's no doubt it is a huge gamble. And the Knicks better know something that we don't know as far as the free agency class this summer because. Their dream scenario is pretty obvious. They want to try and sign Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and hopefully get lucky and get the first pick in the draft, probably for Zion Williamson. Yeah, hopefully. Um, last time we had you on, Jets didn't have a head coach. They have a head coach now, Adam Gates. They have a couple new head coaches. What do you think of the coach si- coaching signings? I didn't love the Gates hire at first, but I, I've certainly warmed up to it in the last couple of weeks. You know, I look at it like this. If Adam Gates is going to be someone that could work with Sam Darnold and get Sam better in year two and really groom him and develop him 
I, I think it could work because they hired Greg Williams as the defensive coordinator, and I really think that was the biggest move the Jets have made this offseason. They needed a new identity. They needed someone to come in and change the attitude, change that losing, losing mentality they had on defense. And it's funny, I had Jamal Adams on the show last week when I was in Atlanta uh, at Radio Row, and just hearing him talk about his excitement for Greg Williams, that makes me excited as a Jet fan because I really think the defense will be a million times better than it was under Bulls. And I just think if Sam Darnold develops and the Jets put some pieces around him, Adam Gates could be a successful head coach. Now, you know, I would have I've liked Mike McCarthy, but one thing you can say about Adam Gates is he won with pretty mediocre quarterback play. He had a winning record with Tannehill, and he was only like four or five games under 500 with the likes of Jay Cutler and a bunch of other crappy quarterbacks. So, you know, I, 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 I think it can work. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, the greatest move ever, and we're still talking about the Jets, but I do see a scenario where this could this could work for them, and they can have uh, they can have some sort of success as long as Darnold develops. Yeah, Jake. Me and you, we think alike. I thought I said the same things about everything about all the coaching signs and whatnot. So me and you, we think. Yeah, you know, think alike. I am here on the show too. I was like, <laughs> I did say I liked Adam Gase. You know, remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jake. You'll have to excuse Clem. <laughs> Listen, I hope Adam Gase is the greatest coach ever. I just I have my doubts, but I really think getting Greg Williams into DC was huge. Retaining Grant Boyer as special teams coordinator was another really good move. Because that was the one thing the Jets did really well last year. They had a great special teams unit for the first time since Mike Westhoff was the coach years ago. So, you know, listen, I mean, it's going to come down to what McCagney does this offseason. They got $100 million to spend, third pick in the draft. Let's see this team be significantly better next year. And anything short of 10 wins in the playoffs, I think, would be disappointing. This team needs to win. It's enough of the losing. It's been eight years of this nonsense. They have the quarterback in place. Now go get it done. Jake, in your opinion, is Le'Veon Bell to the Jets kind of a done deal just based off what the Jets have in salary cap since they have like the $100 million I, in salary cap? Yeah, I mean, I think if they want him, they can get him because they have money to pay him. But I think the Texans are going to be in on Bell. I think the Indianapolis Colts have the most money out of any team. Maybe they think, hey, we put Bell with Andrew Luck. We're going to go win a Super Bowl. Maybe they could be in the mix. There'll be some other teams as well. But I really think if the Jets want Le'Veon Bell and they're aggressive, I think Bell would love to sign with the Jets, and I think that would be a move that the Jets should seriously consider. They have the money. You're not paying Sam Darnold a lot of money on his rookie deal, and Le'Veon Bell can give you a lot, not just as a running back, but as a receiver out of the backfield. Like he gives you 100 catches a year. So, you know, there are some concerns with his character and his personality and whatnot, but at the end of the day, the guy's a great talent, and the Jets just don't have enough talent on this team right now, and he would make them a lot better. Uh, Jake, I gotta ask you. You know, I follow you on Instagram. How was your time at Radio Row and the Super Bowl and that that whole your whole past week, basically? Honestly, guys, it was so surreal. It was my third Radio Row. We went last year with Sports on the Go One when we were in Minneapolis. But you know, to get the chance to go with SB Nation Radio and to get an opportunity to talk to so many different guests and celebrities and great athletes. I mean, you know, on my show alone, we had the Backstreet Boys, Luke Wilson, Erlacher, Deontay Wilder. I mentioned Jamal Adams. Carson Palmer, Devontae Freeman, Seamus Winston, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, it really was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I, I can keep going on and on about the names, but, it, you know, it was such a fun week. And then getting the chance to actually go to the Super Bowl, it wasn't the best game, of course, but just being there <laughs> was a ton of fun. And, you know, it's something I'll never forget. Jake, watching the Super Bowl, did you get a sense that it was a majority Patriots fans in attendance? Majority. I mean, it was like 95% See, like, I, Patriots fans. You couldn't I, find a Rams fan. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like every, Rams fan all week. 
Every time I looked, like, on, every time they pointed to the crowd on TV, like, literally everybody in the picture was wearing a Patriots jersey. And, I mean, it was unbelievable, guys. So, it's funny. I tweeted walking in, wow, it feels like it's 85% Patriots fans. And then I had a tweet right before kickoff, and I'm like, I, I, I take back what I said. It's probably about 95% Patriots fans. I mean, they were booing <laughs> the Rams in the pregame warm-ups. I've never seen anything like this. So it felt like it was Foxborough South. I mean, it was a legitimate home game. For the Patriots, and you know, as I'm watching this game, I'm just thinking to myself, what if D4 doesn't jump off sides, right. and what if the, uh, the the proper call was made in the NFC Championship game, and then you know, we're not dealing with New England in this game, but we're getting the Saints and the Chiefs, two of the biggest, more passionate fan bases in the NFL. But instead, of course, it's the Patriots, of course, it's Brady, and they had a home game against a Rams team that you know, it was only in year three in LA, and to expect Rams fans where there aren't that many to begin with, to travel across country. I mean, it was a recipe for disaster, and it's why New England had just an incredible home field advantage in a neutral site game. Now, we've been, a lot of people at the new Worldwide Sports Radio Network have been, you know, arguing, is Tom Brady the GOAT? Is, where is he ranked all the time? A lot of people. A lot. This has oh been, been a big argument in our group chats, in the studio and whatnot. What do you think on Tom Brady? Is he the GOAT? I mean, I, I don't know how he is at this point, guys. I mean, you could try and pick apart certain things, but at the end of the day, the guy's been the nine Super Bowls. You want to give a lot of credit to Belichick, of course, but it's not like Joe Montana didn't have Bill Walsh as his coach for most of those championships. I mean, you can name any other quarterback. If you have one game to win, I don't know how you're not taking Tom Brady. The guy just always finds a way. He didn't even play that great in the Super Bowl, but you just knew the Rams were never going to score. But yeah. Tom Brady eventually <laughs> was going to find a way to put together a winning drive. And, you know, it's unbelievable, right? I mean, I was watching NFL Network today, and they were showing the Patriots Super Bowl win over the Rams and then over the Panthers. And just to see that Brady just, you know, once again at both those games, leads the game-winning drive, and then here we are 17 years later, and he's doing the same thing for the longevity of his career with the fact that he's a guy who just consistently wins, consistently gives you a chance to go to a Super Bowl. I don't know how Brady is in the best of all time. In fact, I really don't even think it's an argument at this point anymore. I think Brady is the best quarterback to ever play. And the argument that people can now make is, is Brady the best team sport athlete to ever play? I don't know if I'd go that far, but the fact that that's even a conversation is just nuts. Jake, um, with the fact of him still being out there, do the Yankees still have a pretty good chance, in your opinion, of signing Manny Machado? You know, I would have told you a couple weeks ago that I think the Yankees are going to get him, but I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's my answer at this point. I, you know, I thought it, it was going to happen, but it really is unbelievable that him and Harper are still available. I mean, we're 18 days away from spring training. We're now after the football season, and two of the biggest stars in the game are still available. I mean, you know, forget the Yankees for a second. I mean, that is a major problem for Major League Baseball, that no team wants to spend money on these guys. I mean, we're not talking about a 31-year-old player hitting for agency here. These guys are 26. Yeah. You give them a 10-year deal, they're going to be 36 at the end of it. A-Rod with the Yankees got a 10-year deal at age 32 in 07. I mean, Cano got a ten, got an 8-year deal, or actually, no, he got a 10-year deal, $275 million from the Mariners at age 31. So, you know, it just really is amazing how we're here in 2019, and there just doesn't seem to be a market for two of the biggest stars in the game. It really is mind-boggling. But, I mean, at the same time, like this happened last year where, I mean, I know the free agent class wasn't nearly as good last year as it was this year because Hosmer, I think, was like one of the top free agents hitters-wise. And they, those guys didn't sign until really late. 
are teams just kind of figuring out like a loophole where they just don't really feel like they don't have to pay these guys the kind of money? There's no pressure anymore. There's especially when teams like the Yankees aren't really involved, or the Dodgers, or even any of the big market teams. I mean, does that automatically hurt a player's leverage when the big teams with the highest payrolls are not interested in their services? For sure, I think that has a lot to do with it. But also, I mean, there are thirty major league teams. Like, why wouldn't every team? want to be in on signing Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. And I understand it's like, oh, these teams don't have money, but that's just not true. I mean, baseball makes a ton of money. It's a $9 billion industry. You look at the BAM Tech deal, they each team got $30 million for all these new regional TV contracts, revenue sharing. You know, these owners don't want to spend. And I think there's a competitive balance problem in baseball. Everyone wants to be the Cubs. Everyone wants to be the Astros and tank. But you know what? If every team is tanking, if every team is not trying to win, you're not all going to get the first pick in the draft. So, you know, <laughs> I, point. I just think it's so flawed with what's going on in baseball right now. And, you know, I don't know if the Yankees are going to make another big move. I think based on everything you're hearing, you know, they're content with what they did this offseason. There's no doubt the Yankees are a better team. Mm-hmm. But if they were to add Manny Machado at this point, I think I'd be pretty surprised. Uh, what do you think about anything revolving Anthony Davis? Does he get traded? Does he not? Where, If he does, where is he going? I don't think he's getting traded. I, you know, I really don't. You know, I mean, maybe something could change between now and three o'clock Eastern tomorrow at the deadline. But it just doesn't seem like the Pelicans have any interest in trading him to the Lakers. And you know, with the Pelicans, right? Why do this deal now? Because you could wait till the summer and probably get more teams involved. The Celtics could become a player over the summer, and they got better talent than the Lakers do. You know, you look at a team like the Knicks. If they were to get the first pick, maybe all of a sudden they could become players for Anthony Davis. So I just don't know why the Pelicans need to make this move right now. And from a Lakers standpoint, the fact that they're willing to basically give up almost their entire roster to make this move, to me that signals that maybe there is some concern about whether or not they'll be able to attract another star to play with LeBron James. Maybe Kevin Durant's comments a couple months ago that it's a toxic environment around LeBron James. Maybe that carries some weight. And all of a sudden, you know, free agent stars aren't just running the play with LeBron as much as some maybe thought so I really think it's fascinating that the Lakers are this interested this invested in trying to get Davis when you know the reality is even with Anthony Davis I don't know if this Lakers team if they give up half the roster to get him is going to win a title which is LeBron and AD for this year yeah because even me and Craig were talking about this on Monday you know they're looking at treating 85% of their roster and they were stuck with you know LeBron AD and then like Josh Hart that'd be it (laughs) Seriously, I mean, it's tough to win when you have the rest of your roster is filled out by a bunch of G League guys. And I know it's the same thing, but when the Knicks traded for Carmelo Anthony, you know, they, they, they gave up almost the entire roster to get him, and it took a couple of years for the Knicks to then put a team together that actually had a chance to win a playoff series. So I get it, AD is a better player than Bello. You still have LeBron, he's the best player in the world. But to me, giving up all your assets to get this guy now. I just don't know if that's the right move. The Lakers made their best offer, and it just doesn't seem like the Pelicans have any interest in, in making a deal. We are talking to Jake Asman, host of the Power Hour with Jake Asman, Monday to Friday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. on SB Nation Radio in Houston, also former host of the Asman and Budick Show from uh, the Sports on the Go 1 radio days. Jake, um, the Rockets today made a deal for Iman Shumpert, and I know it's not, I'm not going to say it's like a blockbuster deal by any stretch of the imagination, but do you see any other moves for Houston by tomorrow's deadline, or is this pretty much it? And is there anything you like about Shumpert? Like, what does he bring to the Rockets at this point, you know, for them for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think the Shumpert deal makes sense because they, they needed another wing player, another defender. I mean, Shumpert's not great. We know what he is, but he can play defense. 
And I think you bring in a guy like Shumpert, you get rid of the Brandon Knight contract. Shumpert's deal expires at the end of the year, so the $11 million he's owed comes off the books. So I think the, the Rockets like the financial implications of this move. You know, you, no more Brandon Knight, obviously, so that's a big part of it. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's a move that I think can help them. It's not going to be the difference of whether or not they beat the Warriors, but he's not a bad player, so I think he, I think he can contribute to this Houston team. And the bigger moves for the Rockets, you know, I think two of them already happened. They got Austin Rivers, who's been a huge role player on this team. And they already picked up Kenneth Fareed from the Nets once he was bought out. And Fareed fits in perfectly, especially without Clint Capella in the lineup right now. Fareed plays very similar to Capella, and him and Harden have a lot of chemistry early on. So I think that's been a nice addition. But I, I could see the Rockets being a big player in the buyout market. Once we get past the deadline tomorrow, you might see maybe a guy like Wesley Matthews get bought up by the Knicks, or DeAndre Jordan get bought up by the Knicks, or maybe Ennis Cantor with the Knicks, of course, or some of the other veteran guys that could be bought out after the deadline. I think the Rockets will be a major player for a lot of those type of guys. Now, speaking of the Rockets, it came out last week, Kobe Bryant said that the Houston Rockets style of play is not going to win them anything. So what do you think that the Rockets have to do to change their style of play if they want to you know, contend for the championship this year? I think they got to get healthy. You know, and Harden was asked about the Kobe comments two nights ago, and he agreed. I mean, nothing Kobe said is is really that controversial. If anyone listens to the you know the whole parameter of his of his statement, he basically said, "Hey, Harden has to do this right now to keep them afloat because they were without Chris Paul for a month and a half. Eric Gordon missed 15 games. Clint Capella still out for another two months, maybe a little less. So Harden had to do this. That's what makes his streak so impressive. That you know, it's not just like he's going out there just chucking up a bunch of shots." And, you know, he's not passing the ball. He is the only one that can create his own shot on this team. You know, Chris Paul came back last week, so that will be a huge help moving forward. But, I mean, the reality is the Rockets won't win a title if Harden has to be the ball-dominant player he's been this year. But, you know, last year, this team went to Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals, and Harden was the MVP, and he wasn't playing like this. Why? Because they were healthy and they had far more talent. You know, the biggest thing for Houston is just to get healthy. If they get their guys back, I still think this team is as good as any team outside the Warriors in the conference. Jake, with the NBA trade deadline tomorrow, um, what names or which guys do you think are most likely to get moved? Do you think Enos Cantor will get moved tomorrow by the Knicks, or do you think they'll just wind up buying him out at the end of the day? But what other players, in your opinion, who are available are most likely to be moved by tomorrow's deadline? Yeah, you know, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I, I really don't think Davis is going to be traded. We had Tobias Harris getting dealt last night. That was the name that you heard could get moved. I mean, the big blockbuster move of the year. I mean, Jimmy Butler got traded. That was months ago, so can't really count him. But I don't know if there's going to be any, like, mega moves tomorrow. I mean, maybe Bradley Beal could get moved. You're hearing some stuff from some teams interested in him, especially after Otto Porter already was traded tonight by the Wizards. So maybe there could be something there, but... I, I mean, as far as Cantor goes, I'd be shocked if he's on the Knicks. I mean, either they buy him out or they trade him. I just don't think he's going to be a part of the team moving forward. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what the Knicks do with DeAndre Jordan, what they do with Matthews. I think the Knicks could be a team that could be involved in a bunch of deals tomorrow. It would be fascinating. Uh, Jake, I'm going to switch it over to football for the Houston Texans. What do you think? What moves do you think the Texans can make this offseason? Who are they going to draft? Who possible guys they could sign even? Deshaun Watson was sacked more than any other quarterback. The Texans did not have a first and second round pick a year ago, so it was tough for them to really address their offensive line and need. I think Brian Gaines, who is now entering his second full year as the GM, is going to be aggressive either in the trade market 
free agency and through the draft to fix the line. They also need to improve their quarterback play because they had guys last year playing out of position just to fill needs due to injuries and all the other uh, issues they dealt with with their secondary a season ago. So linemen and cornerback are the two biggest needs for this team. And I also think they need someone that is a possession-wide receiver that's durable. Will Fuller is a really nice player. Guy can't stay on the field now coming off a toward ACL. Uh, Kiki Cutie, their rookie fourth-round pick, he played really well when he was out there, but he's been tapped the year because he dealt with nagging hamstring injuries. So I think the Texans will be in to try and add a possession receiver that's durable to play outside. Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins, of course. And, you know, I just think what the Texans need to do is just focus all about this offensive line because if they can build up the line, it will open up a lot of different things that Deshaun Watson can do with his offense. Jake, uh, with, staying with the Texans, um, what are the odds – that Jadavian Clowney leaves the Texans as a free agent? I would be a little surprised, guys. I don't know if they're going to be able to work out a long-term deal, but I could definitely see the Texans putting the franchise tag on Clowney, and it'd be unclear what Clowney would do. If he would hold out, if he would try and do what Aaron Donald did to get paid, would the Texans consider moving him if they got a big, if they got a, you know, a first-round pick, let's say, in a, in a deal? I, I don't see Clowney leaving. He's made it very clear he wants to stay here long-term. The Texans have said publicly they want Clowney back. It's just it's the business side of things. It's just they got to work out a deal, and and I wonder if they'll be able to do just that. Because if Clowney wants Aaron Donald money and he wants Khalil Mack money, Clowney's a very good player. He's not worth that. So he's got to be realistic about what he wants. And I would be surprised if he's not on the team next year. But out of, uh, I'll give you another guy who I do think the Texans will be able to lock up long term. That's Tyron Matthew who they signed last April. I think he'll definitely be back. They'll get him a long-term deal here. He played great last year in his first year with the team. And Clowney, I, I do think he'll be back, but I think there's a there's a chance it could be under the franchise tag. One last, one more for me on the Texans, and then uh, we'll, we'll let you go. Is 2019, in your opinion, a make-or-break year for Bill O'Brien? Yeah, absolutely, guys. I mean, this guy's now entering year six as a head coach. He's taken the team to the playoffs. He's won three division titles. That's all nice, but you got to win. You got to win. I mean, this is a Texans franchise that has never been to a conference championship game in their in their history. They've been around, of course, only since 2002. But you know, it's been a while. I mean, we're talking about almost 40 years of this team. So, Houston Houston fans, they want to win. They've seen this team go to the playoffs. They've seen this team, you know, win the division. All that is nice, but you have a franchise quarterback in place for the first time in the history of this Texans franchise. Deshaun Watson entering year three, still on his rookie deal. This is the offseason to put as much talent around Watson as possible, and there will be enormous pressure on Bill O'Brien to deliver next year. I think anything short of the Texans getting to at least the divisional round and, and further will be a disappointment because they went 11-5 this year. Yeah, they had the 0-3 start, but you finish 11-5 and to lose the way they did in the first round at home to the Colts, that left a bitter taste at, every, at everyone's mouth down here. So, yeah, there's no doubt there's certainly going to be expectations for Bill O'Brien, now with a quarterback fully equipped, to take the team farther than they've ever been before. Jake, we really appreciate you taking the time to be on our show. Uh, thank you for pretty much, uh, you have been our first guest on the new uh, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, as always. Guys, anytime. It's no more sports on the go one. It's a sad day. Worldwide <laughs> Well, like I always say, Jake, from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. Thanks All right, for me. Jake, take it easy, man. Have a good one. See you later, Jake.
That was Mr. Jake Asman, former host of the Asman and Budic Show, when we were the artist previously known as Sports on the Go 1 Radio. And you could check out his show, The Power Hour with Jake Asman, every Monday to Friday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. right here on it. Not right here, but on <laughs> SB Nation Radio Houston. Uh, I wish we were on SB Nation Radio Houston. But um, definitely check out his show. He's awesome. And again, Monday to Friday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m on SB Nation Radio Houston. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. We're going to get into uh, the rest of the topics of the day. I want to get into the rule changes that have been proposed for the Major League Baseball. We have some random topics, and we have to finish for a local as well. Maybe we'll do that towards the very end of the show. All right. So you are listening to the Moffat on the Mic Radio Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We will be back right after this. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to Moffat on the Mic on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Moffat on the Mic Radio Show, only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network for a Wednesday night. The number to call is always a 631-676-2968. 631-676-2968. As always, you can follow the show on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and our Facebook page as well. The soundtrack to our second hour is sponsored by, is this Dan Fogelberg? John Fogarty. John, close no, enough. No relation to... To, Fo- to, to, to Fogs. To, yeah, no <laughs> relation to Chalk Talks, John Fogarty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could have built on that, man. We could have been like, oh, yeah, he knows him. They spelled the the all distant, that Distant, 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 you know, relative. <laughs> but again, so we have a lot to do in the second hour. Again, number to call is 631-676-2968. Uh, just a reminder, Monday night, we are going to have Andrew Pisano again from the What's Wrong With Wrestling podcast. He's going to be joining us. Like I said, we are rotating Pisano brothers on the show with, <laughs> with that podcast, with the Elimination Chamber coming up a week from Sunday. He's going to have a lot of insight on what's going on. We got a lot of questions for him as well, so we're pretty psyched to have him on. Monday night, probably around like 10.30 like we normally do with our guests, right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, only on the Moffat on the Mic radio show. Clem, it's time to address the elephant in the room for the second hour, and we're going to spend our time talking about the proposed MLB rule changes. Okay. Apparently, this was kind of an interesting uh, that Rob Manfred and uh, the players' union have been kind of going back and forth on. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to run off what they're proposing. Okay. This is kind of what they're ne- talking about. And you tell me if you think it's a good idea. Because honestly, I think a lot of these are. Okay. I'm ready. All right. For the record, I just want to say this before we go, before we get, we get started with this. I know that the the main purpose of all this is to try to speed up the game of baseball. That's never going to happen. So let's just stop. What what the problem I'm having with Manfred in general, as well as the players' union, is they have a hard time understanding that baseball is an acquired taste. It's not a sport that everybody loves because, quite frankly, nobody can sit through it on television. Yeah. I don't. I don't even remember the last time I sat through a Mets baseball game from start to finish. Like, I watch Mets games start to finish every now and again, but like when I was really hardcore watching, like Mets games start to finish, was when they were in the playoffs. Yeah, you're never going to speed up the game of baseball to make it interesting for people. Yeah, you're never going to do that. Okay, and oh by the way, most people that go to baseball games don't even watch the game anymore because with all the different food options, with all the different 
you know, team stores with all the different bars that they have at some of these places. I mean, no one's watching a game from start yeah. to finish in well, their seats. And look, I'm not going to, you know, bash my girlfriend here, but last time we went to a game, we made us we might have spent the 7th inning on looking for like different food places to go because she wanted to go try different places. And I was like, and that's what they do though because yeah, it's not you. long gone long gone are the days where you could just get a hot dog and a beer and go sit down and watch the game. Yeah. Now you're talking about these 14 15 dollar hamburgers. The fact that people sit wait online at Shake Shack at City Field for like 5 innings is Ludicrous. See, I get there extra early, so I don't have to wait. Of course on. you have to. I would get there when they open. It's so good, though. I can't go back to regular hot dogs at that game after Shake Shack. I mean, Shake Shack is a good. Is good. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. But I'm not standing in line for five innings waiting for Shake Shack. Oh, no, yeah. Never going to happen. If it's during the game, I'm never doing it. I have to go either before the game or I'm not having it. And there's like 70 other places you can go eat. Yeah. There's, there's, they're everywhere. And it's, it's, you know, it's not even like regular food, like you said, hot dog, you know, hamburgers. The, like those days are over. Those I days, mean, yeah, I saw bacon on a stick. I saw this this cookie dough <laughs> it's gotta place. Be delicious. Oh, it's it got to be it fantastic. Good. It looked good. I see lobster rolls. They have an f- organic market in like center field. That's right. They do have like, <laughs> like center field. They I'm totally like, do. I'm, I'm like, they have a kosher place. For yeah, me. Kosher I mean, they they they, they, got, they, they leave no stone unturned when it comes to food options. Yeah. Okay. So I'm saying like most people that go to baseball games barely watch the game, and if you don't believe me. Sit in the field level at Yankee Stadium because half of those people are not even Yankee fans. They're just corporate people who got tickets to go to a game and they sit there and watch a game. That's what they do. Yeah. So this whole idea of speeding up Major League Baseball games is never going to happen. Games are always going to be like three hours long. Yeah. You know how you speed up a game for for Major League Baseball? You make it six innings instead of nine. (laughs) You have a mercy rule. You know, those are the types of things you do. You know, I I like a long game. You know, this. But I'm saying you either you you either love baseball or you hate it. There is no in between. Yeah. Because there's just not enough action to generate a lot of interest from people. Like you go to football games, you get into it because you know football is is a combat sport. Same thing with hockey. You know, basketball to me gets boring after a while because there's so many fouls. It's just like it takes forever to get a game done. Yeah. I mean, like I just don't. If this is the point, then you're wasting your time. Because you're not going to speed up the game of baseball. That being said, so here are the rule changes that they have. Number one, a three batter minimum for pitchers, which uh, means the lefty specialist is pretty much eliminated. That's so dumb. Just play the game. See, I disagree, though. I don't think that's a bad decision, though. Because then you'll be mixing and matching relievers all day. I don't care about that. Just play the game. Like I think I saw one game where the where the manager literally brought in three relievers in one inning, just to get it. Just because pitch to one batter, pitch to the other batter, and then bring in the last guy to get out of the inning. Ugh. But that stalls the process though too. That's what I'm. That's my point. Yeah. You know. So just think, right? Let's say you. Let's say you're the Mets and you bring in who's a lefty specialist. For, I don't even know who's. A it's uh, Daniel Zamora. I just remember that, right? Because I remember that. I just read. I just actually read about him today. You bring in Daniel Zamora to face one batter, and he gives, or he faces three batters, and he gives up three straight hits. Then you bring in another pitcher, and he gives up like another two hits. The game is never going to slow down. You know, like you might as well just—that's it. But this is not a bad. This is not a bad rule. I understand why people wouldn't like it, because then you can't strategize what you you know you have to just put in a pitcher that's going to get three batters out. Yeah. The next one, which is pretty much what. 
a lot of people have been pushing for. A universal designated hitter. I don't hate that. I don't hate the universal. Why do people not hate that, though? You should like this rule. Why would you want your pitcher coming up all the time? Have you seen like pitchers get hurt sometimes off this stuff? Yeah. Taking a swing? Yeah, because, you know, God forbid, you know, look, the Mets have some pretty decent pitching pitchers who are good or decent hitters. You know, Syndergaard, DeGrom, Mats, Wheeler even. You know, like, if they were to take, like, a hit to the knee or, like, they swing the wrong way or anything like that, they slide, it stinks. There goes the Mets' offense right there as they're pitching. And that's my point, though. But that being said, though, wouldn't a designated hitter be really good for a team like the Mets? Yes. Robinson Cano could be a designated hitter towards the very end of his career. Oh, Lucas Duda would have been the perfect player for the yeah. Mets. If he... I mean, like, if you still had Cespedes by then, which you most likely won't, but I'm saying if you still did, he could be a designated hitter. The thing is, it gives you a lot of other options to play these guys and to prolong their careers. So while I understand it's about, you know, having the pitcher in the ninth, batting in the ninth spot and all that stuff, the fact is, is having a designated hitter would be very de- beneficial to a lot of teams and for older players it will give them an opportunity to maybe extend their careers another two years mm-hmm. it would totally make sense in my opinion i am all for the designated hitter in the national league because you'll want the designated hitter when the mets have the bases loaded in like the fifth inning and steven Matz is up and he doesn't he's not that great of a hitter mm-hmm. and you have no choice because he's not going to pull steven Matz out of a game yeah in the fifth inning if you're you know those are the times you're going to want a designated hitter yeah. instead of the pitcher being up no. Breaking news. You gotta stop. You gotta stop. That's the point. It's breaking news. Markeith Morris of the Wizards has been traded to the Pelicans. For who? We don't know yet. But you know how we always mention, you know, one move might create another one? You know, you bring in Markeith Morris. He's a power forward. You think Anthony Davis is on his way out? It could. That could mean, it could mean something. That's why I, you know. It, I don't it, understand why nobody wants to play for the Pelicans. <laughs> is it the name? I don't know. I really don't know. Look, New Orleans, I'd play New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans is a fun place to go play. You wouldn't want to go hang out on Bourbon Street? Exactly. Like, you know, like Spirits of New Orleans, whatever that place is called, like uh, that's on Bar Rescue. Oh, I love I mean, Bar like, Rescue. I mean, but like, wouldn't, you wouldn't want to go hang out on Bourbon Street and deal with Mardi Gras and all that stuff? I would love to do that. But, you know, Craig, like you said, like you always say on the show, you know, one move like, might lead to another move. This might lead to Anthony Davis getting, you know, being replaced and Anthony Davis going out. If it was just a regular, you know, if none of this Anthony Davis stuff was going out, I would have probably would have not dropped the uh, the breaking news line. But you know, this it makes sense though. No, you it, make you make perfect sense because yeah. you, you know we do say that a lot. We say that one move is predicated by another. Yeah. So who we don't know. It's a, the name. The player to be named is uh, still to be out there. But that's the move right now. Markeith Morris to the Pelicans. The latest trade rumors I had heard were that uh, the uh, the Grizzlies were talking to, the, I think, the Hornets about Gasol. Okay. About Mark Gasol. And there was a rumored deal where Mike Conley would go to Utah for Ricky that. Rubio. I saw that. See, look, when I made these drops, you said, oh, what kind of, new, what kind of breaking news are we going to have at – at 11 Dude, you keep scaring the crap out of me with these breaking news things. It's like, you know. So, All right, so Markeith Morris is on his way to the Pelicans for a package to be determined later. So, All right. Well, man, I guess the Wizards are kind of mailing it in after John Wall's injury, Never, not to mention Otto Porter getting traded yep. and now Markeith Morris getting traded. Yeah, they're done. That's about time. All <laughs> kidding aside, I mean, we'll get into that later. All right, the next one. A single trade deadline before the All-Star break. 
I don't. What do you mean, single trade? It means that you don't. You have to. Your trade deadline is before the All Star break. I like it after the All Star break. But at that point, I mean, how does that? How? But how does that speed up the game? It doesn't speed up. Not everything here is speeding up the game. But I'm talking about this is just something that they're talking about. So the thing is, a lot of teams will be out of it after the All Star break. Yeah. If you do it before the All Star break and they have a fighting chance, they might be more prone to making moves. Ah, ha ha! And another piece of the puzzle falls into place. <laughs> Your thoughts? I don't hate it. Oh, it's Wesley Johnson from the Wizards. I mean, Markeith Morris to the Pelicans for Wesley Johnson. Just for Wesley Johnson? Yeah, one on one. Shams. That's re- up. Shams reported that. Who is it? Shams. I don't know what that is. That's the guy's name, Shams. Oh, okay. <laughs> Shams covering, uh, he's the lead NBA inside rider, analyst for the athletic. All right, next one. A 20-second pitch clock. No, get the pitch clock out of here. <laughs> this isn't basketball. This isn't the NFL. You don't need I'm a ne- clock. I've never seen you so emphatically against something. I hate it. So you're rushing the pitcher. You know, the pitcher is on that mound. The mound is his home. He gets to do what he wants in that mound. And when, like, say, like, Noah Syndergaard was perfect game, five innings in. He had, now he has to all of it instead of, you know, compose himself, get himself ready, do his thing, you know, take his time. But no, now he has to rush in 20 seconds because, because Johnny has to, because Johnny can't uh, stay asleep past the sixth inning. <laughs> It's so dumb. I hate the shot clock. Uh, the, the shot clock for for baseball. So stupid. All right, next one. Roster expansion to twenty six men with a twelve pitcher maximum. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Nothing crazy. I mean, look, twenty five players is I think is fine enough. Twenty six. Does, does that mean the rotations get extended? Eh. Depends on what you want to use it for. You want to use it for another player? You want to use it for a pitcher? Depends on what the coach wants. You could carry like 15 pitchers. You are aware of that, right? Yeah. Remember, it just has a 12-pitcher maximum. Yeah. So So you you have five five starters and seven relief pitchers, which isn't bad. That's how I would build my team. All right, next one. Draft advantages for winning teams and penalties for losing teams. We mentioned this on Monday, too, and I I didn't – I don't hate it. I disagree with this. I don't. I don't think it. a team that's winning should get an advantage in the draft. They shouldn't. But if that's the case, then you have a draft lottery. You do the same thing that the NBA does. Even though I think a lot of times the lottery's fixed. Yeah, I. I don't hate it. I don't like it though. You can't penalize a team like the Miami Marlins for doing what they want to do. It's yeah. their team. You're on. You have not given them any type of ultimatum to spend money. Yeah. So they're just going to spend what they want to spend. Yeah, but. Just like the MLB, just like the NBA draft, it's very, it's kind of hard, you know, to predict who's going to be very good in that first round. You know, it, it, some of, of those, course not, because baseball players take like four or five years before they actually come up to the league, and especially if you draft a kid out of high school. Yeah, look at look at Byron Buxton; he was projected as the next Mike Trout. I mean, Strasburg and Harper are probably the two exceptions to the rule over the past ten years. Yeah, I mean, I mean look, you can say Correa too, but he's died off a little bit. I mean, he hasn't been consistent. But you're talking about like, for example, if teams like teams like the Yankees are winning games, yeah, why should they get a draft advantage? Yeah, exactly. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But I mean, to be honest, I don't think that Major League Baseball should be telling teams how to do things. But I understand why Players Union is really pissed off about this. Yeah, because they know that teams can spend money; they're just choosing not to spend money. So you're gonna have a lot of teams that are in kind of crap mode this year. And they'll they'll sign guys for like a one year deal for five million, or they'll give them a two year deal where they feel it's comfortable, but they're not going to give a ton of money to a lot of these players. 
So, and again, like we were talking before with Jake, is that when teams like the Yankees, when teams like the Dodgers and the high-profile payroll teams are not involved in these guys, it totally kills whatever leverage they have because Mm -hmm. they literally, they, I mean, they have none because they can't sell themselves to the other teams, to the other 30 teams, 25 teams, because none of those teams want them, at least at what they're asking for. Right. You know, and this is one of the things I've always said about Scott Boras, that he overhypes his clients. I'm not saying Bryce Harper is a bad player. I'm not saying, you know, but Boris is shooting for the moon. And now you're starting to see that Harper should have maybe taken that deal with the Nationals for the $300 million, mm-hmm. which, which was offered to him before the, uh, before the offseason. And he turned it down. I don't know what Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are going to get at this stage. I really don't. Yeah, we don't know it anymore. Because now the latest team that's involved in Harper are the Giants. But they just kind of came out of left field, so we don't really know how serious they are about, about Bryce Harper. But a lot of these rules, I mean, I listen, I think they're, they're not out of the realm of possibility, I guess is the best way I'm going to put it. At the same time, some of the rules for pace and all that stuff, they're never going to work. So don't waste your time. See, like, say they put in a shot clock or like a pitcher's clock, whatever you want to call it. What happens when, you know, the pitcher doesn't get to the mound on time or doesn't pitch the ball on time? What, what's the penalty? You give the guy first base. Get That's what I would do. Get out of here. That's such BS. That's so stupid. Do I need to remind you what your role is right now, the way you're talking to me? <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just Stop it. You're killing no, me. No, but right that's, now. it's such a stupid But rule. again, you you make a valid point, though. We don't know what the penalty would be. It, I mean, it's too extreme or it's not enough. Yeah. It's, there's no, there's no in between. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, I mean, the pitch clock to me is stupid to begin with. So most of the pitchers get it done by then. I mean, it shouldn't take you that long to throw a pitch. But the thing that's kind of frustrating about it, it's the fact of, a lot of the you there's no way you're gonna ever be able to change the pace to make it go quicker or whatever. Who do we got? We got the host of Behind the Barricade, Anthony Carragher on the line. Anthony. Hey, what's going on? You know, my fourth time, long time. How you doing? Good, good. <laughs> what? Um, Yes, I I agree. But like a, hearing, like you know, the lefty or the, the pitcher has to come out and pitch the three batters. Yeah, that that was one of the things they were talking about. They don't really know what they're going to agree to or not agree to, but I mean, I think the designated hitter one, I think is most likely the one that's going to pass. Because like like I was listening to the show before I called in. Like that just makes the game overall better. Because if if you're a if you're a Mets fan and it's bottom of the That's what I'm saying. When you have like the Met, when you have guys in scoring position with like two outs, 
and you have the pitcher coming up, and it's like, let's say it's like the fourth inning or the fifth inning. I mean, that could be your prime time to break the game open, and you can't because you gotta, you're going to throw your pitcher out there. And if this happens a few years ago, David Wright might still be in the Met uniform. Yeah, I yeah, mean, exactly. I totally agree. And that's why I said like it could help a guy like Robinson Cano if, they, if this passes while he's still on the Mets because, again, I think this type of position will prolong a guy's career another two or three years maybe because all they have to do is just get up and bat. Yeah, and I think it would just make the I think it would make the National League a little bit more exciting. I think it would make it more entertaining. I mean the rest. I mean the rest of these I could I could the rest of these I could kind of live or die. Like I could care less. I mean like I'm not. I mean I think they're good, but if they didn't pass, them, I wouldn't. You know I wouldn't be like oh this is terrible. But the the designated hitter I think really needs to be considered for the National League. Sure. You know, sure, it sucks to stay up till 4 o'clock in the morning and watch a ball game, <laughs> but if you like the game of baseball and you love the beauty of baseball, you watch every pitch and every inning. Yeah, and, exactly. I, and, and the thing is, I, I do think they're trying too hard to make baseball enjoyable for people who don't really, who are not fans. So they do, they're trying, this is like the whole point, I guess. Not necessarily this in general, but like some of these changes, I think, are. The main purpose is to try to speed the game up. I don't think you can. I just don't think it's it's. I think it's virtually impossible to speed up a game any more than what it is. It's already about two and a half hours. The only way you're gonna be able to speed it up at this point is if you cut the innings down. A lot of commercial breaks and you know a lot of stoppages of play. You got yeah. I mean, and that's the thing though. I just it's like in basketball. It's like the last two minutes of the game take twenty minutes because there's so many fouls. You know they have to you know yeah. It's just 
especially if it's a, if it's a really close game, like it's like forget it. It's like it, it's going to take you an additional half an hour just to get through it, even when it's only like two minutes left in the game. I just think there's no way they'll be able to speed up baseball. I just don't think it's humanly possible. You know. I mean, I think Yeah. Before the batter comes up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fun. You know? Or, I'm okay with having, like, a 15 second pitch clock in between pitches. Because there are some people who just take forever and just throw the ball. You know? Yeah. Like, they can remove that from the game and maybe add, like, you have a few minutes, you have a few seconds, go ball, or else it's going to be a ball. You know? Yeah, sure. I mean, like. I'm all for that. Mm hmm. Exactly, and the thing is, again, you're changing it for a fan base for a, trying to get, trying to recruit a new fan base that really is not that interested. I mean, if you go to a baseball game nowadays, there's more people just kind of walking around the arena than a stadium than they really are watching the game. Well, because baseball games are more of, a, like, of, a, of an experience. You know, you go to a football game, you're there to watch football. Mm-hmm. You go to the Garden, you're there to watch the Cupid Knicks. Yeah. You go to the Rangers, you're there to watch someone get hit on. Sure. Unless it's playoff baseball, I've been to plenty of Yankee games. Now, am I going to watch the Yankees play? Absolutely. I'm going to watch them win. Mm-hmm. But there's been so many times I've met up with college buddies of mine or taking a girl on a date there and just eating the chicken nuggets and drinking a beer and just getting to know someone with baseball in the background. Yeah. You know? I mean, no, it's, it's, a, it's a good point. I mean, and again, like – I just think, like, I mean, I think some things do have to change in baseball, but I just think the whole, if you're trying to just speed it up, it just makes no sense. Yeah. And you're trying to recruit a fan base that isn't interested in the sport anyway. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, you either love it or you hate it. Like most okay. people, there are a lot of people that go to games, even whether it's Mets or Yankees or anything, they just get free tickets from like a vendor or from a client, and they're just like, eh, I'll just go. I got nothing else to do, you know, on yeah, a Tuesday they night. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, or even that, it's just like, why are you trying so hard to recruit that fan base? That I guess that's my thing. It's just like they'll either go to the game or not. They'll either buy the ticket or they won't. But don't try so hard recruiting people that don't really want to be recruited. At the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been hearing it for. Yes. But it's never going to really die out because at the end of the day, like... We need something to do over the summer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, you need something to do over the summer, yes, but it is America's pastime. Mm -hmm. Because no matter if you like the sport of baseball or you hate the sport of baseball, every single person and their brother has definitely picked up a mitt at one time and threw a baseball. Sure. Exactly. Think about it. Not to ma- not to mention how many people you know, or just people in general, are in like softball leagues. You know, so they know the ins and outs of that stuff too. So that that'll that will cure. You know, it'll give them something to do. The only people you're not gonna be able to get are the people who just do not watch it under any circumstances, who find it insanely boring to watch it, let alone go to a game. But anybody that has a working knowledge of baseball 
will go watch a baseball game and they'll go have fun, you know, at least to the best of their ability. Because it's just like, if you think about it, in baseball, anything could happen at any given moment. Yep. You know, you're sitting there, you're boring, it's dull, you're, having, you're drinking with your beer, you're having your hot dog, and then boom, home run. The crowd gets excited. Like, that little moment's pretty exciting. It's yeah. like a nice little pop, you know? Definitely um, true. Uh, I totally get it, man. Anthony, listen, thank you for calling in, man. We really appreciate it, all right? Yeah, no problem. Bro. All right, take it easy. Yeah. All right. Like, again, he's not wrong. I mean, like, the hardcore baseball fans are going to hate rule changes and stuff because yeah. they, don't, they don't adapt well to change because they're just so used to watching a nine-inning game. They're baseball fans. Mm-hmm. You know, they do fantasy baseball leagues or they do now daily fantasy or whatever it is. But the people who have no interest in watching baseball whatsoever – are going to be in, it doesn't matter what you do for them they're going to be insanely bored yeah look you're either going to love baseball or you're going to find boring that's, i think about that's it. it i hate the yankees but if somebody offered me tickets to go to a yankee game i'd probably go yeah i'd go to a yankee game if someone offered me you know, free tickets to a yankee game i'd i'd go in a heartbeat honestly. like my father-in-law used to get yankee tickets from a vendor of his mm-hmm. and like we used to go and we used to sit right on the field level and the seats were amazing we'd be right by the first base side and the thing was, I didn't care if it was a Yankee game or not. I just went. Yeah, you just went because you love baseball. And the That's garlic it. fries. The garlic fries just kill it. Oh, they're so good. They'll kill your breath. Like you, I mean, <laughs> anybody within like a two-block radius, you're, you're done. They're done. Because like, if you breathe, it, it's over. That's how much garlic they put on it. But man, are they good. <laughs> man, are they good. But again, like just like we said and just like when Anthony called in, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. Because you can try and try and try. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to make your attendance go up. And now the teams are pretty much tanking. Nobody's going to want to go to games in those cities. Think about all the bad teams, Clem, mm-hmm. that are pretty much mailing it in this year, who are pretty much saying to themselves, we don't think we have a chance, so we're not even going to try. Marlins. Pirates. I, I would used to put the Reds in there until they made the deal for Puig and uh, Kemp. Yeah. So I won't put them in there anymore. You know, Minnesota, Kansas yeah. City. I mean, even you can even say Oakland. Even though I know, even though I know Oakland made the playoffs last year, they're not. Maybe there's no guarantee they're gonna be that good this year. They always if the if Oakland makes the playoffs, it's always a shock to people that Oakland uh, makes. The I'll playoffs. give you two more: Baltimore, yep, Toronto, yep. Who pretty much said they're mailing it in. The White Sox haven't been good in years. Tigers, Tigers. Well, I, well they still have Miggy, so I mean, but yeah, but, but I still, mean, but still the Tigers. But as you see what I mean, we've already named a third of the teams in Major League Baseball that are pretty much going to mail it in this year. And the other teams don't generate that huge of a draw, except unless you're the Red Sox. The Yankees don't even sell out games because their tickets are too damn expensive a lot of times. Yeah, it's, uh, unless you're the Red Sox, the Dodgers, that's really it. Yeah. Maybe Houston. Definitely probably Houston and the Cubs, but that's it. So... There you have it. We'll see where it goes from there because this is going to be a very touchy issue, especially with collective bargaining because now with the fact that these players are not being signed in a quick enough manner, it's definitely pissing off the players' union, mm-hmm. and that's going to be, you know, you don't – the last thing that baseball needs right now is another work stoppage. The, it'll ruin the sport. Like, it'll literally ruin the sport if they have another work stoppage. You cannot let this get mm-hmm. to the point where you could strike yeah. because it is over for baseball. Can't let that you're happen, you're yeah. not a, you're not as interesting as football. You're not as interesting as hockey, and you're not as interesting as basketball. Okay, you cater to a very specific fan base. 
You cannot sit there now and threaten a strike or a walkout because if you do, it is guaranteed it will permanently damage the sport and there will be no way to repair it with the fan base or anything. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. All right, Clint, let's go into some random topics for uh, for this uh, Wednesday night show. This will be just kind of, like I said, just throwing them all out there. Uh, trade deadline is tomorrow, but obviously one of the bigger trades was done yesterday with the Clippers getting Tobias, uh, Clippers trading Tobias Harris to the Sixers. And all they got really was Wilson Chandler, first-round picks, and Mike Boscala. It's a great trade for the Sixers. I mean, if they're really going for it this year. I mean, it looks like it. Look, you got Jimmy, you got Tobias, you got – Ben Simmons, Markel, I'm not, I'm not even saying Markel Fultz, Joel Embiid. You got a bunch of great players. Yeah, I mean, they, they're trying to make this run. It's for prime it. for the taking right now. The East, right now, the Bucks are the first number one seed, and I think they're pretty much up by like a lot of games. And I think the second is the Raptors, and I think then I think the Sixers. I, I think the Celtics are like the fifth right now. Sixers are in fifth. Oh, the Sixers are fifth. Okay, and they are. I stand corrected. They are six and a half games back of first. Yeah, so they're not going to catch the Bucs, especially if the Bucs make moves tomorrow. Yeah, they're six and a half back of first, four and a half of the Raptors. I never thought I'd see the day with a Milwaukee Bucks with a number one seed in the East right now. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so Giannis, man. Giannis is Oh, he's game. been terrific. He's been freaking awesome. You know, one through five is kind of close, and then six of the Nets, and then like they're six games back of the 76ers, and they're in sixth place. There's also a rumored, uh, there was a rumor that Kyle Lowry might be getting traded tomorrow. By the Raptors. That'd be crazy. That'd be really crazy. But think about it like this, right? Then I ask myself, Kyle Lowry has been a really loyal soldier to the Toronto Raptors. You mm-hmm. know, he, I think he has like one more year left on his deal. The Raptors have already traded DeMar DeRozan, who loved being in Toronto, who loved playing for the Raptors. Okay? They have no little to no chance to bring back Kawhi. And you traded DeMar DeRozan, and now you might trade Kyle Lowry. So then I ask myself, what is the GM doing there? Yeah, I mean, look, if you you trade, first of all, you trade your two big dogs who love being in Toronto. Kyle, if you trade Kyle Alley, I really don't know what you're doing at that point because look, you traded Kawhi Leonard because you're still in the playoff race. What, what seat are they now? The two? They're two, and they're only two and a half back of the Bucks. So why the hell would you trade Kyle Lowry at this point? At this point, you might as well keep all these guys and try to get better. I mean, unless you're getting like. You train Kyle Lowry and you're getting like five more pieces who can help you get over the Bucks. Okay, I could see it. I could see why they're doing it. But if they're going to trade like, I don't know, Kyle Lowry for, I don't know, I can't, Lon, say Lonzo Ball, doesn't make any sense. No, definitely doesn't. So um, the other trade today, as we were talking about, Otto Porter got traded to the Bulls for uh, Bobby Portis and uh, Jabari Parker. So that was actually a pretty good trade. Although, you know, again, I don't understand what teams are doing because you just, you know, the Nets wanted Otto Porter and they gave him like the poison pill deal. Like they, they did similar a few years ago when they signed, tried to sign Alan Crabb and Tyler Johnson when they were free agents. The Wizards signed him because they really want Otto Porter and then they just trade him a year later. Yeah, I didn't I mean, get- none of, sometimes I don't understand what the hell teams are doing. It's like you either want the guy or you don't want the guy. But if you want the guy and you're going to give him a max deal or give him a, like a high big-time contract, I mean, like, why would you give him that contract if you're just going to trade him after a year? So I don't understand why the Blazers matched on Allen Crabb and why the, the Heat originally matched on Tyler Johnson, who also was traded today. Yeah, it doesn't. Make, it doesn't really make any sense. And look, Otto Porter. I think he got traded to the Sacramento Kings too, Tyler Johnson. I think he did, yeah. 
Well, out of Porter, look, he's a good, a good young player. He averages 13 points a game, seven, uh, six rebounds, two assists per game. I don't. I mean, look, I, I again, we don't, we don't know what what GMs are thinking with these kind of moves, giving them these contracts, then trade them away. But I mean, who knows? Uh, Antonio Brown was apparently involved in a domestic dispute. Apparently, he uh, it looks like I think he said I think it said he pushed a woman or something like that, or he pushed his girlfriend. Or that's s- the claim. That's right the claim now. right now. Um, here's what I will say. We don't really know what happened, so I will not jump to conclusions. If there's one thing that I do is I always wait for the other shoe to drop because yeah. it always drops and it, we always look like jerks when we jump to immediate conclusions that he did this. Now, if you thought it was hard to trade him before this, now it's virtually impossible because no one's going to take him, and if they do, you're not going to get anything for him. No one's going to want to deal with – no one's going to trade you premium draft picks for Antonio Brown, especially if this goes further – than what it should be. Right now, all we know is there was a domestic dispute. He was not arrested. He was not charged. All it was is he was involved in a domestic dispute. We don't know anything else after that. Mm-hmm. My, I guess my advice to the victims at the end of the day is if you're going to go through with this, you better see it through. Mm-hmm. You can't sit there and sour the guy's name for one incident and then turn around and go, ah, it's not really exactly what happened. Because then you look like a schmuck, not him. If you're going to do this, if you're going to push forward with, you know, with this domestic violence charge or whatever, fine. And if it does, you know, then you, you have my support, basically. But if you're going to sit there and then retract the story a month later, like the Reuben Foster stories. Yeah. Then no, then you have no credibility, which means you lose all respect from me. Well, that happens a lot of times too. You know, like a lot of these things, unless it's like you know, look, we're not condoning any of this. We're not no, absolutely any, not any of this absolutely at all. Not. But you know, we we always see things like oh, even with Zeke Elliott. You know, the claims came out that he had domestic violence charges. Next thing we know, those charges were dropped. It's like the person who makes the anonymous quote about somebody, or comment about somebody, or yeah. a coach, or a player. Or whatever, and then retracts it later. Yeah. Or it just says that they want to be kept anonymous. Yeah. The thing is, if you're going to see this through, if you're going to push forward with this, it's almost like this. You know, like you watch stories, and God forbid, like a woman gets raped. Yeah. God forbid, because it's it's horrible. It's yeah. it's it disgusting. Really is. And it is absolutely horrible. And then what happens is, is that you know, it's a very traumatizing experience. You know, because you go through numerous depositions. You have to relive that story over and over. Relive that, like, horrible night, you know. And in some ways, it's just like you just want to, you know, you want to see justice. You want to see, you know, you de- but it's it's hard. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's amazing. Like, I mean, I feel, like, terrible when I hear things like that because it's, like, disgusting. It is. You know, and I'm... And like when people come forward with you know, and they really, they're 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 stronger than I'll ever be. Mm-hmm. Okay, when they come forward and they fight this, you know, face their accuser in the eye and all that stuff. The thing is, is like if you're just going to come out and randomly just say, oh yeah, well he pushed me on the f- he pushed me. I mean, like you're you're in the you're kind of souring the guy's name a little bit. You got to make sure that like is this really what happened? Because again, this guy's career is on the line. Yeah, he's already rubbed people the wrong way in Pittsburgh. Any chance to trade him now is pretty much done. I think it was done to begin with because the Steelers are going to have to take a $21 million cap hit if they trade him. 
as part of the provision. They can't just trade him and just be done with it. I just hope it's not just some incident where you had an argument and maybe he bumped you by accident or bumped you to try to get out of the way, and you were like, oh, he pushed me. You know, if he did, then that's messed up. If it's really serious, then that's definitely messed up. But I just get frustrated when, like, you know, sometimes these stories come out and then two weeks later the person retracts their story because they want to save face. Then you start to say to yourself, well, did she get paid off by Antonio Brown just to go away? Just like it was with Reuben Foster. Yeah, like, we'll never know these, these true stories, you know, about it unless we were, like, you either get photo evidence, video of what happened or it, yeah, I mean, that's really it. We'll never, I will never actually know. And again, you just, you don't want to see things like that happen. No, yeah, you know, you absolutely. don't, you know, we don't advocate violence against women because it's just messed up to begin with. It's, it's just not, it's just wrong on every level. Mm-hmm. No matter how much you can justify it, no matter how much your girlfriend is maybe a pain in the ass because she's nagging you to death. Or she's just giving you a hard time about this and giving you a hard time about that. You, you can't do it. I don't even know if you could do it if she hits you first. Because wouldn't you just feel like a scumbag? Yeah, I don't get Even it. if she hits you first. I don't get it where people think it's okay to put your hands on a woman. Like ever. I would just feel like a total scumbag if, I, if that ever happened. I could never. So, number three. The Oakland Raiders look like they're going to be playing their 2019 games in Oracle uh, Oracle Park, where the Giants play. However, the mayor of San Francisco doesn't want them in their in his city. <laughs> he wants them to stay in Oakland. Such a bad. I mean, look, you can't just open it up for one season. Like, well, San Francisco is a classy area. You talk about Raider fans. These are guys that are showing up with the <laughs> shoulder pads with the spikes. I just thought of that That's the Darth really Vader. Funny. The, my favorite character is a Darth Vader guy with the Raiders voice box. Oh right? my gosh. Like, um, you know, you're showing up with guys with skull necklaces, and these people are just like, you know, they just want to... You know, it's, an, it's an upscale area. You, you know, know that. You, you may not want it, but you need it. The, the other pe- the people like You need us, a culture shock in we, San Francisco. We need Raiders hey, fans Bring Raider Nation there right now. We want to see necklaces with skulls, even if it's actual human oh skulls. Oh, my gosh. That would be great. You know, like, I mean, imagine these guys just crashing through, like, San Francisco and San you Francisco. Know, I, I didn't even think of, like, you know, like, what, how, like, what the town of San Francisco is until you said it and I was just like it's a ritzy very upscale town man they they need they need it's like it's like San Diego it's like San Diego's like that too because most people love living in San Diego now imagine bringing Raider Nation there blue collar all the way you know attitude up the ass now, you know, I'm, fighting I'm, over, like, you know, just psychopathic fans. I I'm, mean, you got to love it. In San Francisco, you have Raiders and the Bills play in San Francisco. You imagine Raider Nation versus Bills Mafia. Ooh. Oh, my God. It'll be. San Francisco might be tar- to- uh, torn down by the end of that day. People will be moving out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's the latest on that. Actually, the Raiders officially don't have a home yet for 2019. They'll find somewhere to play. Why can't you just play in Vegas? Can't you play in a stadium in Vegas? There's no stadium yet for them. Yet. UNLV? You can't just play UNLV for a season? Eh. Well, then they would have to share it with... Uh... UNLV? Yeah. <laughs> well, if UNLV plays on Saturdays, then true. you can play it on Sunday. That's true. You got to think, Clem. Come on. You got to think... Uh... But then again, if it's an outdoor stadium, you're kind of screwed because it's like 120 degrees. And that's 120 like... degrees. You get one bad rainy day on a Saturday, it's over the next day. <laughs> That's actually very true. Number four, the Lakers have reportedly backed out of their trade talks with Anthony Davis, saying the Pelicans just the demands are just too outrageous. 
apparently not only did the Pelicans want the players, like all the players, like Lonzo Ball, Kuzma, mm-hmm. they also want six to eight draft picks included in the deal. So basically this Pelican, the Pelicans GM is offering an impossible trade knowing that the Lakers... He's trying to scare to... people off is what yeah, he's trying to do. He's trying to do it, saying, hey, we're not... Listen, we're... he's under no obligation to trade Anthony Davis. Yeah, so yeah, I guess yeah. in some ways he does. He he has a right to offer, ask for what he wants. Yeah, but it also has to be within reason. Yeah. Now and see, and this is was going to be a question I was going to ask Jake and forgot. You know, say they don't trade Anthony Davis by tomorrow. Is Anthony Davis going to like sit out the rest of the season, or what's he going to do? I don't think he's going to sit out the season. He doesn't come off as that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't come off as like a, like a you know prima donna. Like, oh yeah, if you don't trade me, I'm sitting out. Well, he doesn't come. I off think like he'll that, play but... for the Pelicans. I think he will play for the Pelicans if he has. I think he'll honor his commitment to the Pelicans. He just said that he's not going to sign an extension with the Pelicans. That's a little prima donnaish to me. Then it's just like every other NBA player, right? Yeah, he's turning every other big time big baller player. They yeah. just don't want to. They don't want to play for that team. So. And finally, number five, John Wall ruptured his Achilles tendon during a slip and fall at home, and he'll be out for the rest of the season. Wall just signed a $170 million extension that kicks in next year. Jeez. Look, I feel bad for John Wall. No, I feel bad for uh, – I don't feel bad for the Wizards at all. I don't feel bad. You know why? Because they haven't won crap with John Wall and Bradley Beal at, in the in the backcourt. They, they have not won a damn thing. And I feel like – They haven't even gone – have they even gone past the first round with those two guys when they were in the playoffs? Have they even been in the playoffs with Wall and Bradley Beal? Yeah, no, they've definitely been in the playoffs. I think they were the three seed a couple of years ago. But they haven't done a damn they thing. They haven't. And you know what? I think that's where John Wall's you know career kind of takes like, oh, yeah, John Wall. You know, like you forget, you kind of forget he's there. Same thing with Kemba Walker, too. You know, Kemba Walker and John Wall, two great, great point guards in this league. And they kind of take a back seat to, you know, the Steph Currys, the Kyle Lowrys. The Lon- even the Lonzo Balls now, too, because you know what? These guys are in the big-name markets, and, you know, guys like in these the Washington Wizards and the, but Horn- that's, and the Hornets are not making big na- big names for themselves in the playoffs. And, so that's a, can- and, and that's what frustrates me to death, though, is like, you know, we talk about it with baseball, how teams aren't really trying to get better. None of these other teams are trying to get better. They just keep rehashing the same person, exactly. player. So the Wizards don't want to get rid of John Walls. So they just keep bringing him back. But John Walls has been hurt quite a bit in his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a great point guard. I won't take that away from him. And there's also been apparently like a rift between him and Bradley Beal. So why the hell would you want to keep those two together? But the Wizards have done absolutely nothing, nothing Mm -hmm. with John Wall and Bradley Beal in their backcourt. And you give the guy a $170 million extension? To do what? To make this team continue to be mediocre? I think it's the GM. I just think it's the team. I just I, I think it's the GM and the team. I don't think it's the coach. It's not Scott Brooks. But you've had the same backcourt for how many years now? Yeah. And you've done nothing. And this is a good backcourt, too. Yes. Right? It's good. They've added players like Gortat and we had Otto Porter, you know, just to name a few. But they've literally done nothing, nothing with these guys. Why do you keep bringing them back? Like, you just have to know when it's not working. Yeah. Like, when you just see your team is not as good. It's like what I always used to say about the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins needed to do a full-blown rebuild. Build through the draft. Sign some young players. Don't keep bringing in veteran players because you act, you're trying to convince yourself you're one player away from a championship, and you're not. 
You are a few years away from a championship. The Wizards have to do the same thing. It's like what I said about the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. You've had Marcus Gasol and, and Mike Conley on this team for how long? And your team still sucks. Now, part of that is because you play in the West. But you, your team still stinks. They haven't gone to the playoffs. They haven't been that effective of a team. They're not consistent enough. And then what do the Grizzlies do? They give Mike Conley a $150 million extension. It doesn't make any sense. I would rather just keep rebuilding through the draft than waste my time giving these guys extensions they don't really deserve, especially at least for the team they're playing for. Mm-hmm. So he's out for the season, which means that's probably why the Wizards are trading Otto Porter and Markeith Morris. They're probably because they know it's over. Yeah. But now they're stuck with John Wall because he just signed a new extension that doesn't kick until next season. <laughs> so congratulations, your team is still going to suck for the next like four years until he's gone. <laughs> All right. So before we go, we didn't finish uh, four. Lo- we didn't finish four local for today because we had Jeff call in, and then we had to call Jake, and we had Mike call in as well. So let's just be—we'll be really quick with it before we get out of here. Uh, St. John's got a huge win yesterday against Marquette. Uh, one, and the thing is, they beat Marquette by a point. They swept Marquette because they beat him at the Garden, I think, by twenty, or over at St. John's. Shamari Pons had a big game last night, but it was funny because last week. When they lost four out of five, and they lost to Georgetown, when they lost to Georgetown by like ten yeah. at the Garden, and they pretty much got booed out of the arena. Everybody started writing off Chris Mullen. Everybody. Oh yeah. The I team remember. stinks or whatever. Now I'm not going to sit here and wax poetic about St. John's like I know what I'm talking about. Like I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know what I'm talking about. I don't know a lot about St. John's basketball. What I do know is is that it's very quick to burn to bury the coach. After a rough stretch. And not for nothing, this week was a tough stretch for St. John's. Because they had to play Creighton on the road, Duke on the road, and they played Marquette on the road. They had three straight road games. And the only game they got their doors blown off on was Duke. Because they beat Creighton, and then they beat Marquette yesterday. Uh, yesterday. And what that does is, now the rest of their schedule, I'm not saying it's a cakewalk, but it's easy. Yeah, it's nothing crazy. I'm looking at the schedule right now. You got Providence, Butler, Nova in three. We in uh, is that the Garden Sunday. or is that a, is that in Philadelphia? That is home. That's home. Okay, it's a home game. Then you got Providence again. You got Seton Hall. Seton Hall's always a tough matchup. Xavier, DePaul, and then Xavier again. Yeah, so I mean, you have some. You have an easy. You have a fairly easy schedule. It's what you make of it now. Yeah. But it was amazing how you rode off Chris Mullen. And to be honest, St. John's is not that intimidating of a team this year. But they've made a they've made huge strides forward, though. I mean, like, so you have to give Chris Mullen credit for getting this team back on track after a rough stretch of losses, especially when you shouldn't have lost to Georgetown at home because mm-hmm. Georgetown's not that good of a team. Even though I love seeing Ewing as a coach, but St. John's gets a big win. It definitely helps their chances of getting into the tournament. You know, just going to be a case of how they finish, but. Two wins against the number 10 seed Marquette team is a pretty strong... That's pretty strong. And I think they beat Nova. Uh, Did they beat Nova this year? No, they lost by five. They lost by five to Nova. Okay, I thought thought they had beaten Nova this year. But again, it's a good win for St. John's. And uh, the next game is Saturday against Providence at... uh, I think it's it's Madison Square Garden. Uh, Number three, as we talked about before, Brody Van Wagenen is on his way to Port St. Lucie as the Mets get ready for spring training next week. Um, Noah Syndergaard apparently doubled down on Brody's uh, Brody's uh, comment that the Mets are the team to beat in the NL East. 
Um, the one thing I'll say about that is while I respect the confidence, the last thing the Mets players need to be doing right now is talking. Yeah. The Mets players should not be talking. Talk on the field. Go out there and show it on the field. Don't start running your mouth. And I love Noah Syndergaard. I'm a big Noah Syndergaard fan. But this is the time you just – I understand you're buying into it. You're feeding off of Brody. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Okay? But don't start running your mouth in the papers, too, about how you're, you know, you're the team to beat and this and that. Because last year your team sucked. Let's call it what it was. You had a good second half, but overall your team was crap. You had injuries. We know that. That being said, though – Let's get through. Let's get these guys through a season before we start talking about us being the team to beat right now. And I know that the Mets are, you know, apparently talking to Degrom about an extension. Um, I don't have a problem with the Mets getting Degrom signed up. I always think that that type of that's a good thing. I think it's a huge olive branch, especially when it comes to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Francesa was killing uh, the Mets yesterday if they signed him before the season started. But I think it always does. It always looks good when you kind of get those things done. You want to keep going to arbitration every year with these guys. It's just, you know, it just becomes tiresome, and the player starts getting frustrated because then he thinks you don't give a crap about him and all that stuff. But overall, I think if they signed Degrom, I'd be ecstatic. I really, you know, he's yeah. a, he's a Cy Young winner, so why would I hate that? You know who's making Degrom's move? Uh, who's making Degrom's deals now? That Brody's the. Uh, he has a new agent under CAA. Okay. He's not. He's not. A, it's not under Brody anymore. It's under a different guy. So I like, think. Like I think basically. Like. No, I think it was one of those <laughs> things where the guy when Brody left CAA, I think he just kind of like had a guy that was going to handle the clients moving forward. The key was the player had to decide if they wanted to stay with CAA. Gotcha. And a lot of the players chose to stay with CAA. So, and finally, the last one. Uh, the Jets have started their little bit of a roster purge to an extent. They've released Spencer Long. Thank God. <laughs> One year after signing him from the Washington Redskins, they save about $6 million under the cap. There is a possibility they could try to bring him back at a lower cost. Nope. However, um, you know, Spencer Long, Stunk. he wasn't a very good pickup. I thought he played better when he was guard, though. When they moved him to guard and Harrison became the center, I thought he played a little bit better. You know, my friend said the same thing, too. He was like, you know, he wasn't good at center, but when he played guard, he was pretty, he was decent. But he was, you know, the thing was he was expendable. He's not a guy I would sit here and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they got rid of him. No, I'm you know? happy. He's, uh, I, I said he had, oh, what game? I think but it was the Dolphins game. I was like, what do I, go. now, what do I always say? This leads to something else. Thank you. This, and this who else. do you think that, who is a possibility they could go after? My honest opinion on the line, that kid from Denver, the center. Matt oh, Paradise or Paradise. Paradise, yeah. Paradise. I think they're going to go after him. I think I think it's either going to be him or um, Mitch Morse, the center from the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I like, think it's, it's got to be one of those two guys. They're definitely going after somebody because I don't think they're going to go into next season with Jonathan Harrison as a starting center. No, not gonna you can't happen. do that. You look. I've said it time and time again. The Jets realistically need five new linemen. Now that obviously can't happen. So they're going to. I think they're going to stay with Brandon Shell as the right tackle and Brian Winters as the right guard. I think Kelvin Beecham is going to be back next year too. Oh, get him out of here. Get him out of here. And I've said this again too, time and time again. If we're not seeing Nick Bosa with our first round pick, you got to draft either Greg Little or Jonah Williams. You got to draft them. It depends though, because if they do draft an offensive lineman, Beecham may not be back. It's highly possible. Exactly. And I think you know, left guard, it's it's up in the air. But that's a decision they have to make soon though, if they really want to go after Kelvin Beecham. If yeah. they really want to dump Kelvin Beecham. Yeah, and then left guard, you know, I don't think James Car I doubt James Carp. He's an unrestricted, back. he's not coming back. He's not coming back, especially after the knee injury he had last year. So a guy I can see the Jets signing is Roger Saffold, left guard for the Rams. 
or um, AJ Can, left guard for the uh, Jaguars. He's mm-hmm. very very young. He's like 25 years old. So it'd be good if the Jets can sign one of those two guys to play left guard next season. So we'll see where the Jets go. But for right now, Spencer Long is no longer a member of the team. They could be making some other cuts coming up in the near future. Isaiah Crowell is a guy that could be cut. There's a, a lot of guys that right now they could cut tomorrow and not really take a me- mega hit cap-wise. Uh, we'd love to stay. But we got to go. And you've been listening to the Moffat on the Mic Radio Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You can check us out every Monday, Wednesday, Friday night, 10 p.m. to midnight right here. Uh, Thank you for checking us out, whether on the Facebook Live feed, Klim's Periscope feed, or the live stream as well, as well as the TuneIn app. Uh, Big thanks to Jake Asman for coming on our show to talk everything sports, whether it was Knicks, Nets, uh, Jets, Yankees, Texans, Rockets, everything. Uh, Jake is a really good friend of the show. As always, as you know, he was a uh, he used to host the Asman and Butik show when we were Sports on the Go One. He now has definitely check out his show, The Power Hour with Jake Asman, every Monday to Friday, seven seven p.m. to eight p.m. on SB Nation Radio. So we really thank him. Thank you to Jeff. Thank you to Mike, and thank you for, to Anthony for calling in. And uh, that's it for me, Clem. Thank you for holding it down like you normally no do. And uh, you're here Friday, right? Yes, sir. All right, so Friday night. All new show. We have a lot to talk about post trade deadline, and I want to talk a little about the AAF starting Saturday. Okay, All right. I think I think that would be a lot of fun to talk about. So, yeah, wait, just and just you mentioned that I was into the radio today. Heard Christian Hackenberg is the starting quarterback for one of the teams. Hey, listen, <laughs> I give the guy a lot of credit for trying. At least he's trying. He's you got to you, you got to give him credit for that. At least he's making an effort. Whether he turns it into something remains to be seen. But we'll get into a lot more stuff. There'll be plenty of news coming out on Friday. So again, everybody, wherever you are, stay safe. Have a good rest of the day and evening, wherever you are. Enjoy your Thursday. And we'll be back Friday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, right here on SportsOnTheGo1.com. Have a great Thursday, everybody. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.